World's Finest Podcast, Episode 32. James Doe, and with me as always is Michael David Sims. Hello. Greetings. How are you? <laughs> I'm good enough. You know, starting to feel a little, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Safe again in my home. You know, I'm still a little on edge from the from the break-in from a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I understand. Yeah, you know, I'm starting to sleep better. I'm starting to not jump at my shadow. But it's hard, you know? I mean, I, I totally feel violated. Um, I'm just, I, I, you know, I said it before and I'll say it again. I'm just glad I was home when it happened. Because if I wouldn't have been home, if I didn't have the chance to scare the guy off and they did get away with our stuff, I would feel even more violated than I already do. Yeah. So I'm, I'm just really glad it happened when it did and I was awake and I was able to scream at him and chase him out the window. Um and that the cops caught him. So, you know, but I'm still a little jumpy, just a little. I'm still not getting the best sleep. But then again, I never get good sleep. You know, normally I get between three to five hours. But and, you know, that that's usually good for me. But now it's kind of a restless three to four hours. And that's starting to take a toll on my body. Uh, yeah, it's like <laughs> my uh, early mornings at the workplace. Mm hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh well, at least I'm getting stuff done lately. Yeah, that's true. You had your new video up. Yeah, I'm working on about four others right now. Well, why don't you tell our listeners about it? Because a lot of our listeners, they just listen to this. They don't visit Earth2.net or listen to Earth2.net the show or any of those podcasts. So why don't you tell them about your latest project? Yeah, so I've uh, I've started working on this uh, Helsing Ultimate project, and uh, you know I figure Helsing is my favorite is if not my favorite anime, my 1B favorite anime. Oh. And the other, my other favorite being Chrono Crusade. Mm. But uh, Helsing always has a special place in my heart because it's so awesome on so many levels. And, uh, so, and you know, I'm, I'm a huge Alice in Chains fanboy, so I was like, you know, I'm just going to make a three-part video. You know, I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm going to do one, one video per volume of Helsing Ultimate, uh, the series. Like, the first... The video I, that uh, you published on the main page last week uh, was all from episode one of the series. So next one will be all of episode two, and then following episode three. Now the good the good news here is, as Kellen posted on the forums the other day, is Genion all of all of those titles that Genion USA uh, had to drop because they went under and are no longer in business in North America uh, were picked up by Funimation, which is untold levels of awesome because now they're going to be able to release the all the uh preceding volume or I should say the six seeding volumes of of Helsing Ultimate which and it, because if the series had gone under like that it would've been a travesty of justice mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah I'm working on that I'm working on a Cowboy Bebop video I'm huh. working on I'm working on a 
let's see. Of course, the Symphony and Anime Metallica project I'm working on in the background a little bit. But my uncle installed a program on my computer so where I can rip movies a lot better, and it will be back to being like full screen, and that'll be nice because uh-huh. <laughs> it's my videos look kind of weird lately with the way the the DVD decryptor was ripping them. So I just got rid of DVD decryptor and uh-huh. have this new program which works a lot better. But anyway, yeah, I've ripped uh, 20 episodes of Bebop onto my hard drives, and it looks great. So hopefully when I release the next video, whether it's the Hellsing, my next Helsing Ultimate or the Cowboy Bebop video, it will look a lot nicer. Cool. I just got to decide now what, what video I'm going to enter in at AWA this year. I still haven't done that. I really need to get onto that. And uh, when is that? That's September. Oh, so you got a little time. Yeah, well, they have the, well, wait. When's the deadline for it? Though? Yeah, that's the point. The deadline is at the end of next of this month, or or the very early next month. I oh. can't remember, so I've got to hurry and just make a decision. Yeah, you do. Huh. So anyway, but I always feel good when I complete a video because yeah. they take so damn long to do. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's really what's going on with me lately. Cool. Yeah, well, nothing, nothing new on my end. <laughs> Sorry. Except the lack of sleep. Yeah. Even yeah. more so. Yeah. Well, you know, it's that, that's also coming from the fact that I've been playing Final Fantasy Tactics 2. Is I, that for the DS? Yeah, it is. I love the first Final Fantasy Tactics. Um, <sighs> I want to tell you how much I loved it. Um, a couple of years ago, I want to say probably 2005? Yes, it would have been 2005. Jenny and I, we went on a cruise, and uh, I brought my uh, GBA and Final Fantasy Tactics with me. I figured, you know, at night when we're in the cabin, it would give me something to do, you know? Mm -hmm. I was pretty much playing that game nonstop on the cruise. So we spent (laughs) a couple of thousand dollars, thousands of dollars on this cruise, and I spent a good portion of it playing a Final Fantasy video game. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. I mean, that's not to say I wasted my time on the cruise. You know, we still still did the excursions. You know, we still walked around the boat and various other things. We had a great time. But I spent a little more time playing the video game than I probably should have. Um, but, yeah, it was, it was a great game, and I was really excited when they announced the sequel. And uh, it was the first game I pre-ordered in a long time. A real long time, and uh, and I've only put like maybe fourteen or fifteen hours into it so far. Mm-hmm. But I feel like I've barely scratched the surface, you know. Even though, like I said, fourteen, fifteen hours. A lot of games are done after fourteen or fifteen hours. This yeah. one, I can tell you, has not even begun. I've got maybe like ten people in my clan. Um, yeah, maybe maybe I'm just playing it a little too slow. You know what I mean? I'm sure there's other people who are like, I've got 30 people in my clan at 15 hours, you know? And it's like, well, good for you. I'm, I'm taking my time then. I don't know. But yeah, I mean, it gets a little repetitive. I don't know. Have you played the tactics games? I have not, but it, the way you describe it is the way I play all RPGs. Oh. Uh, be it Xenogears or Final Fantasy X or Eternal Sonata. I play it and play it and play it. I build my characters up. Yeah. And then I move on. Well, that's exactly what I'm doing. You know, I mean, your characters, have, they have jobs. So, like, if my char- like, let's say my lead character starts off as a soldier, right? Well, I teach him all I can as a, as a soldier, and then I might make him a thief. And now he's got, you know, he can do certain things that a thief normally couldn't do because he was a soldier before. Uh-huh. And then I can make him a black mage. 
So now he's a thief that has some abilities of a, of a soldier that also has the abilities of a black mage. So he can cast, like you can make him, you know, cast lightning, but he can carry a shield and a sword. You know, that that's that that's wild to me that you could like just make all these kind of crazy combinations. And what's also cool is watching the job lists unfold because you don't start with every job to begin with. You know, like I, I love the ninja class. I love it. And I can't wait to unlock it. But I just I'm just not there yet. I don't know what I have to do to get my damn ninja class, but oh, I can't wait. For You'll the... get it eventually. I know. I... Fight the good fight. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, it's a good game so far. So far. Anyways, want to get on to some email? Yeah, I think we should do that. Sure. First one up today is from Phil, who writes, Hey, Mike and James, firstly, thanks for reading out my email back on episode 29. I was really shocked and surprised to have the privilege of both you reading my thoughts out loud. No problem at all. We enjoyed reading it. Um, as well as getting both my sons, Ryan and Ethan, into the DCAU, my wife, Helen, has now started to realize how great these shows are. She's spent a lot of time doing other things while me and the boys are watching cartoons, not really paying too much attention. Now and again, she would look up from her book and ask a question or two, and when I filled her in on what's going on, she would look vaguely interested. It wasn't too long before she uh, cottoned on to how mature the storylines are and how much continuity was in the episodes. So now, like the rest of us, she is hooked, and I no longer have to feel guilty for hogging the DVD player with my cartoon obsessions. Although she still isn't fond of the ultimate Boy Scout Superman, I would much rather watch the brooding Batman. In answer to your is-she-isn't-she-dead uh, dead debate on growing pains, I think it's pretty clear that Annie is dead. As Clayface, or Daddy, slowly absorbs her into himself once more, my five-year-old son Ryan just broke down into tears and cried. He oh, killed it's sad. It really is. Yeah. Um, he was inconsolable. He cried so much I had to dig out some Justice League Flash episodes, <laughs> his favorite character, just to take his mind off of it. Now, I could have lied to him and said, no, 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 she didn't die. She's fine, Ryan. She's not dead at all, mate. But, hey, if you lie to kids every time they get upset, what are they ever going to learn? And he and I are learning a lot from these great animated shows. Anyway, even if I had lied, he usually sees through my pathetic bullshit anyway. <laughs> Following that it was my turn to be shocked, this time into the silence at the death of Turpin in Apocalypse Now Part 2. I was stunned when Darkseid killed him out of spite just to stick it to soups one last time. I can't believe they got away with it, but I'm glad they did. Ryan, on the other hand, took his death uh, in his stride. I, ge I guess the death of a little girl is far worse in his eyes than a gnarly old detective. Oh, well. While I'm on Superman, the two Kryptonians... You know, you know, hang on, I, let me jump in there real quick. Sorry, James. You know what it might also be? Is, in my opinion, the death in Growing Pains is much more violent than Turpin's death. Yes, Turpin gets obliterated, completely destroyed, but it's over like that. It's an instant, and he's gone. With Annie, it's slow. She's being sucked into this pile of goop, and she's fighting to get out, and Robin's trying to save her, and we know there's nothing we can do, nothing the characters can do to save this little girl. You see what I'm saying? So it's much more gut-wrenching because it takes so much longer to, to transpire. At least that's my opinion. No, I completely agree. Um, and he goes on to say, while I'm on Superman, the two Kryptonians from the Phantom Zone are just terrible. Why couldn't they just use General Zod? Was it a legal thing? Such a poor use of Ron Perlman, another favorite of mine, and so good as Clayface. Man, you just really repeated exactly what Mike said from that episode. <laughs> That's like, wow, am I reading an, uh, an email from Mike? Maybe. <laughs> I know you're not covering the Batman show in this podcast, but I'm still watching it out of curiosity more than anything else. Do either of you know why they never tackled the character of Harvey Two-Face Dent? Actually, in, no, I don't. Wait, what do you in, mean? in the Batman? 
Oh, the, oh, the cartoon. I thought he meant the original TV show. Um, no. Because I think, let me address that. I think it didn't happen in the TV show because it was too gruesome. That's my understanding. Um, in The Batman, I honestly don't know. That's a real good question. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, hmm. I'm trying to think my way around it. I, I'd say jump yeah. on Wiki or the internet and see if you can find something, because there's got to be a reason. There just has to be. I know. Um, He's one of the most recognizable Bat villains. Yeah, you'd think. You'd, so you'd think he'd be used. Hmm. Yeah. In some ways, I'm glad they didn't after seeing what they did to Mr. Freeze, but I'm always interested in different takes on characters. Much like the Elseworlds comics, sometimes they pay off, sometimes they don't. Thanks again for the great show. I look forward to every episode. I'm also listening to Earth, Earth2.net, the show now as well. I just couldn't resist listening to the New Frontier show. After that, I'm now hooked on another great podcast. Keep up the good work. Phil from England. Excellent. <laughs> in, Mr. Burns, in a very Mr. Burns way, excellent. Yes, and all of you should be listening to not only Earth2.net, the show, but all of the podcasts on Earth2.net. I named them, but I'm afraid I might forget one and then accidentally piss off one of the hosts. <laughs> okay, wait, hang on. Let me go to Earth2.net right now and get a list. Real right? dread. For your ears only, wait, an amazing say, podcast. No, 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 not Dread Media, Dread Media. Uh, dread Media, I'm sorry. Real Dread was the written column. Was, was yeah, the, I'm uh, sorry. No problem, no problem. Hey, I, I, I fucked up. <laughs> that's okay. But yeah, uh, there's an amazing podcast, which is all about anime and manga. There's Dread Media, which is mostly about horror. Sometimes Desmond Reddick, the host of that show, he sometimes he ventures outside of the, the horror sphere, but mostly about horror. Then there's Earth to at the show which uh, generally airs two episodes a week. Uh, the episodes that are on Tuesday, uh, those review five comic, comic books that are coming out that Wednesday. So you're actually getting early reviews. And then the episodes that air on Friday, those are really a hodgepodge of whatever Jenny and I want to review. It could be a movie. We could talk about comics. It could be a TV show, whatever. But it's generally, again, in, in that realm of geekiness, sci-fi, horror, comic books, things like that. Um, there's For Your Ears Only which is our newest podcast, and that one is a look at James Bond. That one is monthly, and as a matter of fact, let's see, this episode of World's Finest is going to be posted on Wednesday the, what's that date, James? I'm trying to look. Wednesday the 9th, right? Yeah, uh, the following Thursday on July 10th, um, the third episode of For Your Ears Only will air, and uh, hosts Ian and Adam are going to be discussing uh, Goldeneye. No, Goldeneye? Goldfinger. Goldfinger. Yeah, that's a Goldfinger. Sorry. I, I get the Bond names confused. Pardon I know. <laughs> but yeah. No, no, no. You're not the only one. <laughs> yeah, those are the, the podcasts that we have right now. And trust me when I say there will be at least one more to debut by the end of this year, possibly two. So we've got a lot of podcasts coming from Earth2.net. So if you like podcasts... Keep an eye on Earth 2.net because we got a ton of great stuff coming up. It's just too early to say what that is. Teaser, yes. <laughs> Waha. <laughs> okay, moving on. Next one is from Nate who writes, Hey, guys, sorry I haven't added this comment, but I noticed uh, that I noticed since I started emailing and watching the DCAU. I noticed that whenever a character in Superman or Batman is cut off, there's always a half-second pause as if they're waiting for the antagonist. Uh, to, sh to try to show my literary smartness, to interrupt them. Also, in the Lobo episode, the main man, when he says, my name is Lobo, that's L in lobotomize, O is in obliterate, B is in bash in your face, uh, and O is in, well, I guess I can use obliterate twice. I got that vibe that he isn't, 
he really isn't being the bumbling buffoon that they were trying to show him as. If he would have spent a little more time thinking of what it used, uh, what to use, it would have made more sense to me. But he says it like a run-on sentence. It's almost as if there should have been some ellipsis inserted into the script. And uh, he goes on to say, I just saw Apocalypse Now Part 2, and it was amazing. I, I really got that Infinite Crisis feel, but Parademon instead of, instead of Omax. I also had a question about this episode. How much time does Superman spend on the ground? I mean, he's on the ground, not earthbound, but uh, not standing, when Lois finds him, when Darkseid shoots him with his own mega beams, when Orion finds him, uh, and I believe he fell before Turpin's gravestone. No, no he did not. No, he didn't. Um, I actually think he may spend uh, more time groundbound than he does airborne. And yes, I'm coining the phrase groundbound, so ha. You guys aren't the only ones who can coin a phrase. I think it got old after the time when he met Darkseid. I understand he was tired, but honestly, have him prop himself up against a cliff, lean on a metal shrapnel, do, do something. I know you guys are totally going to disagree with me on this, but I felt the ground time showed Superman as a little bit of a sissy, and the Man of Steel ain't no sissy. No, I actually think that's a good point. Um, I see where you're coming from. And uh, I, I agree with it to to a certain extent, but at the same time, they were really trying to show what a badass this dark side guy was, that he and his minions were beating Superman down so much that he just couldn't stand, that he was just always on his knees or face down or wherever or however he was. Um, so, yeah, it, it didn't bother me, but I could see where it might bother some people because, again, it is Superman. He should always be standing tall and proud. So, sure, yeah, well, that's fine. And- it's actually that's actually a gripe that uh, the producers got from fans when Justice League rolled around because Superman was getting the crap kicked out of him all over the place when ju- the first season of Justice League came along. So, I yeah I do see where Nate's coming from on that, uh, but we'll, I guess we'll discuss more of that when we get to Justice League. Yeah, in about a year. Yeah, whenever it is. <laughs> yeah, it would be about a year, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah, probably. So we still got Batman Beyond and. And everybody's static? favorite Static Shock in the Zeta Project. <laughs> <laughs> static is underrated. So I'm sorry. Stars, I swear. What'd you say? I said st- Static is underrated. I'm sorry. Yeah, you know it's what? It's a really I underrated you, cartoon. I gotta tell you, I haven't seen a lot of Static Shock, but the episodes I've seen, I've dug. It, I mean, if, as long as you just accept that it wasn't trying to be the darker shows that, like, Batman was trying to be and Batman Beyond was then it's fine. Just accept that it was, yeah, geared a little more towards kids and you're good to go. I, I might have said this on uh, World's Finest before. I can't remember if I have or haven't. But one of the episodes that sticks out in my mind is the racism episode. Yes. Where, uh, isn't it it's Static's family, isn't it? No, or is it his friend's family that's no, racist against Gears, Static? it's Gears' family. That's racist against his, Static, his father. Right? Yeah. Yeah, his father hates black people. Yeah. So. And, I mean, that stuck with me. I was watching this. You know, granted, I was a teenager, maybe even in my early 20s when I was watching this. I was like, damn, this is – this is I, – I, I liked the fact that they were addressing something that was very mature. You know, no, a lot of cartoons have a message. Brush your teeth. Don't run away with strangers. You know, don't do this. Don't do this. But to actually address racism in a cartoon, you know, I give kudos to any uh, cartoon, any producer – of a cartoon that's willing to tackle such, such subject matter. Okay, next one is from Stuart, who writes, uh, you were talking about Volcana and where their smoke uh, adds nothing to the DCAU. Actually, it's brought up in JLU that Volcana and all the government stuff was actually a precursor to Cadmus. Hmm. Yeah, there was something in my notes that I didn't read off, at least I don't think I read it off, where I was wondering if this did lead to Cadmus, but 
I think the reason I kind of just brushed it aside is because it didn't seem like those guys were working for the government. Because I think Superman makes a crack about them working on their own, didn't he? Um, yeah, he did because so, he said you guys were your funding was cut off years ago. Right. Yeah. So that's why I was like, oh, maybe this didn't lead to Cadmus. So, but if if they brought it back up, good for them. Good for them. I love when they do stuff like that. Yeah. Um. And Mike actually wrote us again here, uh, and he says, uh, well, this will be my second email in episode 32, if you read it. Uh, it is said in the episode of JLU called Far From Home that Supergirl changed her costume to match Clark's red, yellow, and blue from the white and red she had previous, previously used. Uh, as far as the yellow either not being there or being there, I'm not sure. Thank you, Mike. <laughs> Okay, the next one is from Dimitri, who writes, Hey, Mike and James, uh, I want to tell you how exciting these past two weeks have been for me. While waiting for another WFP episode, I got a hold of some uh, DC graphic novels in audio format. Hmm. The site graphicaudio.com sells them as CDs. I'm already done with JLA Exterminators, and I'm listening to Infinite Crisis. Then after that, I've still got 52. I could never imagine that so much sexual and violent maturity can exist in DC Comics. I loved your episode reviews, even if they weren't the best ones. In Torch Song, I liked the scene where Bullock and some cops break into Firefly's apartment. Bullock says, you search the apartment and I'll look in the fridge. And then an officer remarks, oh yeah, there's plenty of evidence in there, detective. <laughs> I, th- I think what I like best about that is what Bullock says after that. He's just like, shut up. Yeah, yeah. I was just about to say that. That's what makes that gag. You know, sure, it's funny that the officers feel comfortable enough with Bullock to make that joke, but then Bullock just, just lets it roll off his back. He's just like, shut up. <laughs> uh yes we love we love harvey bullock on this podcast <laughs> very much so and i'll have more to say about him later on in this episode because i think he has a real shining moment but like i said that, that'll, that'll come later okay and the last thing i want to say uh then Riddle, riddler's reform the riddler burned his old costume thinking that batman had died in the explosion but when batman turned out to be alive it wouldn't re- and wouldn't reveal his trick to him nigma went nuts and that's why he was in the trio with bane and the mad hatter hmm. i can actually i can buy that with the costume being gone that's that's not too bad of an explanation actually he could have made another uh, one he could have but it, you know why I'm sorry i just i just do yeah. not like that that jumpsuit that he was wearing there and you know we see him briefly in uh what over the edge when did and batman forever come out because you know jim carrey wore that exact same suit in the movie did the show get the idea from the movie or vice versa well because it's the exact same costume well think about it think wait you mean with the with the one big question mark well i'm just the, the green uh, spandex suit with the question marks all over it well that's from the old batman tv show hmm. he had both the suit and the jumpsuit oh yeah and so and i assume they got that from you know the comics um i'm just saying i just don't like the way they designed it here with like the one big question mark now and it's just it just seems off and i'm not crazy about his shaved head i just i just really like the dapper looking yeah that's what i hate most about it, is that he's bald yeah you got a problem against bald guys, huh? Huh? Nope. Just you better not. Ed, Edward Nigma is just no. <laughs> I like <laughs> I like him having that that kind of. I don't even know what kind of hairdo he had in in uh, the first three the first three episodes we see him in, but it was infinitely better than the look they have him in Gotham Knights. Yeah, I, I can't stand it. I hate it. I hate this. I mean, I, I could probably stomach the costume if he wasn't bald. If he actually did have that, what did he have before? Reddish hair, right? Was yeah, it, like, it was reddish or brown or something. Yeah, if if he just still had that, because the the baldness just doesn't work for the Riddler. 
at all. Like it works for certain characters, but not him. Because think about it. Think about how many bald villains Batman has now. He's got uh, the Penguin. Wait, is he bald or balding? He's balding. Well, yeah, definitely. You got Mister Freeze. Freeze. Uh, now you've got what's his face, the Riddler. And I, I feel like I'm missing one. I think Bane is bald. No, he's got hair. When they take his mask off, he's got hair. Hmm. But I do feel like I'm missing one. So, I mean, it's not like Batman, like he has a quota or, or a cap on how many bald villains he can have. I don't want people to think I'm saying that. I just stylistically. Strange. strange. There you go. Just stylistically, Batman didn't need another, especially when Riddler was the only male ginger. You know, sure, there's there's Ivy, but I don't know. I liked him being the only male sort of redhead. That, that went up against Batman. I don't know. It, it's a weird thing to like. I understand that. I understand. I like redheads. I do. Yeah. I said this in the last episode. You know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Continue, please. Help me dig myself out. <laughs> okay. Well, that's it for me. Till next time when you're going to review Over the Edge. Thanks, Dimitri. Okay. Next one is from Eric, who writes, uh, I couldn't get into the new He-Man cartoon on Cartoon Network. It was okay. Oh, yeah, sure. Not as... Pardon? <clears throat> Sorry. Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> it was okay, not as cheesy, but I guess I'm used to the 80s ones so much. The one thing about the newer uh, newer series is that they didn't have those after-episode disclaimer things. I hated those even when I was a kid. Uh, are either of you excited about a possible dark He-Man movie called Skull? Did you know that there's going to be a part two to the original He-Man film, or at least the plot of the second film was made, but they just took out He-Man and Skeletor? This film is called Cyborg, starring Jean-Claude Van Damme and Angelina Jolie. The film got its own sequel. And should Frank uh, Langella reprise, uh, reprise his role as Skeletor in this reboot? Uh, he will be in makeup. Um, now, are we talking about the Dolph Lundgren film here? Yeah, I think that's what he's talking about. But I've seen a synopsis for a film called Grayskull. I haven't read the whole thing, but it sounded pretty cool. And it was just a darker He-Man. But yeah, he's referring, right now, he's referring to the original He-Man film, yeah. <sighs> is is, is <laughs> he for real about Cyborg being a... Was supposed to be a sequel to He-Man? I have no idea. I love I've... when I hear stuff like that, because, you know, Die Hard 2, that wasn't supposed to be a sequel to Die Hard. Do you know that? I did not. It was supposed to be a sequel to Commando. But for whatever reason, Commando, or the sequel to it, got they decided, you know what, we don't want to do that, let's just make it a Die Hard film. That's why if you actually look at Die Hard 2, it doesn't feel like a Die Hard film. It just doesn't. Yeah, it is. I mean, think about it. There's an entire plane that gets blown up, and there's children on that plane. They clearly show that to you. It's much, much darker than the first Die Hard and all the other Die Hard. Well, I shouldn't say all the other Die Hards because I haven't seen the fourth one. But it's much darker than one and three. Um, So I love when I hear stuff like this. Like, oh, that was supposed to be a sequel to this, but for whatever reason, it's not. So it became its own film or it became a sequel to something else. I love movie facts like that. Yes. Um goes on to say, I think that Scarface on the couch was in his mind. Okay. Uh, yeah. When I say support, uh, when saying that Penny was in Inspector Gadget's support, is that she does support his confidence. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I enjoyed the movie version, but the sequel sucked. Have you seen that? I'll let you fi- uh, take this one, Mike. Mm, Penny. Oh, Penny, Penny, Penny. What, what was the question? What? what? Um, what? Have I seen the Inspector Gadget movies? Uh, no, I actually haven't. I'll tell you why I haven't. Um, they show... Because they don't exist. (laughs) Yeah, that's one thing. They don't exist. 
But if I have to acknowledge them, it's because they show um, Claw's face. You know, hmm. that uh, the second they show him in the trailer, they show him, and the second I saw the trailer with Jenny, I looked at her and I'm like, well, how are they showing his face? Like, they can't do that. And and from the trailer, his arm, his claw looked like, you know, those child toys that that have the little claw on the end and you pull and it's and it's on that stick and you pull the lever in the back and it just goes clomp, 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 clomp. You know what I'm yes. talking about? Yes. That's, that's the way I'm remembering his claw looking. It looked like they went to Toys R Us, bought that and put a few extra little things on it and tried to make them all menacing. Oh, it looked terrible. I saw that and I was like, okay, the claw looks stupid and they're showing his face. I'm not seeing this piece of shit. Was Penny in those movies? I don't even know. I believe she was. Oh, oh well. But as you said, they really don't exist, so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, moving on, my favorite comics are mostly heroes with attitudes, Batman, Spawn, Hellboy, Jon Stewart, uh, Green Lantern, because at any time the character can just snap. I love that feeling. I enjoy Superman, The Flash, etc., but you never really get worried about them turning rogue, unless Superman is affected by red kryptonite, of course. The geography between Metropolis and Gotham has been said by many fans to be New York and New Jersey. I live in New Jersey, and New York isn't far enough from New Jersey to need Bruce uh, Bruce Wayne to take a plane to visit Metropolis, so I don't know how far apart they are in the DCAU. When Batman says they're 30 miles from Gotham while Metropolis, that is about how far New York and New Jersey can possibly be from each other. I love Kevin Conroy, but Jeremy Sisto was fucking awesome in The New Frontier. Conroy has competition if Sisto continues with dark Batman stories. Conroy playing the voice of in Batman Gotham Knight is cool, but why isn't Christian Bale playing the voice? I mean, isn't it supposed to be connected to Batman Begins in the Dark Knight? I don't know. I, I, I Maybe it was a contractual thing. Maybe he didn't have the time. Maybe he didn't want to. That's what I'm leaning towards. I don't think he had the time. Yeah. I mean, he's always doing something. He's one of those actors that makes the big-budget films so he can afford to go make his smaller pictures. Because that's what yeah. he wants to do. He wants those. He wants to make basically the the European films and the art house art house stuff. But he's mm-hmm. using Hollywood to get his name out there to promote those other films. And I think that's genius. I love when actors do that. You yes. know. So yeah. It, so he's 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 a busy guy. He's a busy guy. So he probably just didn't have the time to go step in the studio to do it. Um, I loved Spider Man the animated series, X Men the animated series, and Sailor Moon. Do any of you or any of the listeners know when these shows will arrive on DVD as season sets? Never. Uh, Never. Well, no. Spider-Man and X-Men, I don't know about them, but Sailor Moon is already... What? Never. Marvel and Disney um, co-own the cartoon. And uh, they've been feuding over the DVD rights. Yeah, I don't exactly know what the legality is, but... uh, there's some sort of issue between the two companies because what happened was um, those cartoons aired on Fox and then I think Fox sold the rights to Disney or Disney bought something that also gave them the rights to those tunes and Disney is my, my, my what I'm hearing what I think I remember hearing is that Marvel wants to put them out but Disney is being a little weird about it and I, I but so it really looks like they will never come out like I think they've put out back in the nineties, they put some out on video cassette, but I think that was before Disney had anything to do with it. So yeah, if you want those seriously, look for them on TV or bootleg them. You know, if you want them, you're going to have to bootleg them at this point, go to a convention 
and buy them that way or download them because you're not going to get them on DVD anytime soon. Yeah, as far as Sailor Moon goes, they've already been out on season sets, but they're no longer in production. Um, the first four seasons were released in North America, but the first season and the second season were never released in English. I'm mm-hmm. not sure what the deal was with that, but they were only released in Japanese, which is fine because that means they're uncut. Um, the third and fourth seasons were released in English uh, by DIC, and I can't remember who released the DVDs themselves. I don't know if it was Genion or ADV or somebody else entirely. Um, and the fifth season was never released in any capacity. That, that was the final season, which I think was the last 43-ish episodes. Um, the, they were never released in any capacity in North America. Um, and because... I don't know. I get because of, I think because it was much, much, much more mature than the uh, previous four seasons. So yeah, they. I'm not sure if they'll ever be released again. But again, that's those are the kind of things you just have to buy off eBay or go to a convention to get them. Yeah. Um, here you go. I just went to Wiki and uh, looked up the X-Men cartoon, and it says there are no plans for an official release of season box sets. Disney has no interest in releasing any of the Marvel animation projects, and Marvel is rumored to be attempting to reacquire the properties. It then continues, as of 2008, the series is planned for release on Region 2 DVD within the United Kingdom in 2008 um, as part of something Marvel's doing over there. So, hey... If you're living in the UK, you, you might get them. If you're living in North America, we're shit out of luck. It's that plain and simple. It pisses me off because I want them. I want them bad. Yep. Um, I saw The Incredible Hulk and Iron Man and absolutely loved how they've uh, connected the films. I saw The Incredible Hulk with my father. I'm 26, but I still like to hang out with him sometimes and be able to discuss with him how they connect. The super soldier formula Tim Roth's character uses connects with Captain America and Tony Stark and S.H.I.E.L.D. I hope DC are taking notes on how slowly how to slowly develop a JLA movie by how the Avengers is slowly, slowly being developed. Guess what, uh, guess what, Mike? I found on Amazon Batman Beyond Return of the Joker uncut for $5 brand new. Yep, there same. you go. Get it. Everybody, every one of you listening, buy it. Yes. You will not be disappointed. Episodes from our last episode here of World's Finest Podcast. Uh, Little Girl Lost. Why is Supergirl introduced and thrust immediately into a Dark Side episode? I mean, even Superman went through several episodes before meeting him. We even saw Dark Side first. Yes, this will be the same voice actress to play Supergirl and eventually Galatea in the DCAU. The animation I felt was flawed a lot. Apocalypse uh, is always animated well. But outside of that, it just makes me cringe. Also, how the hell did Jimmy not connect the dots when Kara took off uh, her identity right in front of Jimmy, <laughs> and Jimmy knowing she's Clark's cousin? Yeah. Uh, Love is a croc. The episode is fine. Baby doll is kind of annoying. Croc being domesticated by baby doll, of all people, maybe Catwoman, is stupid and unreal. <laughs> Even if croc is trying to scam baby doll, he wouldn't take that. I liked Killer Croc's redesign because he's part reptilian. Yeah, I'm going to disagree with you there. Yeah. <laughs> Um, where there's smoke. I can never get into this episode. Characters like this in Firefly are always boring to me. The background on, on uh, Volcana makes her a bit more interesting than Firefly, though. Torch Song. Terrible episode. The character is so boring. He makes one appearance I, uh, I can deal with, and that's in Legends of the Dark Knight. Michael Caine? I was typing the right answer uh, when James corrected it. Good going, James. <laughs> talking about James Caan, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the new Dark Knight trailer. Ah, oh, drooling. Uh 
Thanks, Mike, for reminding me while suffering through this episode. <laughs> mm. Nighttime is one of my favorite team-up episodes. To hear Bane say to Superman, who thinks he's Batman, I'd never feel, feel, uh, feel your spine crumble in my hands the way that he says is so chilling. I love seeing Superman facing off against Batman's uh, rogue Bane, the Mad Hatter, uh, the Riddler, Roxy Rocket, and then facing Brainiac. Can I ask you guys why you're reviewing this before the ultimate thrill from Gotham Knights? You could have just made this an episode le- uh, less and reviewed this after the ultimate thrill. Eh, just really, it was just a chronological problem. We, it's just how it fell. Yeah, pretty much so. Uh, what you have to remember is we had a head start on the Superman episodes. Yeah. So by the time we got to the Batman episode, certain things were out of sync. That's all. Um, if we would have started the two sh- the two shows at the same time, granted, we would have got Roxy and Batman ahead of time. There was just nothing we could do about it. Yeah. And the thing is, there's only 24 episodes of Gotham Knights, yeah. whereas there's 50, what, five, Something, I think, yeah. Superman. Yeah. So it's just going to – it just happens. The only gripe I have with this episode is that Bruce Timm and company, being comic book geeks, had a great opportunity to pay homage to the comic book where Bane broke Batman's back by animating a sequence where Bane does crack Batman's back in Batman's costume. I think Brainiac's plan uh, was the same as the first Brainiac episode. It could be that Brainiac had all the Earth's knowledge while laying dormant in Lex and Wayne's computer systems. Okay, and our final one today is from Aaron, who writes, Last night I was listening to WFP28. What can I say? I plug my MP3 player into my computer and let my Windows Media Player shuffle music and podcasts. Anyway, I, to get to the point, I was uh, I was listening to you talk about cold comfort, and when you talked about Mr. Freeze's hench girls having two short skirts, all I could think was that you two uh, was of you two talking about the baby doll episode of BTAS, uh, where one of you was talking about, Hey, lady, you aren't wearing any panties. Ow, fud! <laughs> Uh, that will that will be one of the greatest moments in all of WFP history when <laughs> all is said so. and done. Yeah, <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't stop laughing when that happened either. Mm-hmm. Also about the Burton Schumacher Batman movies, I agree with you on the campiness of it, especially with the last Batman Burton or Batman with the last Burton Schumacher film, Batman and Robin. You got to realize though that the first ever Batman movie was worse, based on the TV series. Batman and villains made it Jack made uh, made Jack's portrayal of the Joker seem like Shakespearean theater. But yes, the humor was there in great levels through all the Burton movies. These new ones seem to be more on track with the Dark Avenger of Justice we all know and love. Keep up the good work, and don't pick up any pasty-skinned hitchhikers with murderous senses of humor. <laughs> Roxy Rocket, a.k.a. Roxanne Sutton. She did all the stunts for Jennifer Weston in her action series. They say she doubled for some of the men, too. Seems quite fearless. That was the problem. She began making stunts more dangerous than they needed to be. The danger of the work had become more important than the work itself. Finally, no company would insure her. She lost everything. I guess she's exacting some kind of revenge. Or she's still after the thrill. And now that she's had a taste of you, she's not going to settle for anything less. First up is the Gotham Knights episode, The Ultimate Thrill. What we have here is a brand new villain for Batman to face. Her name is Roxy Rocket. Is that it? Roxy Rocket? Yes. Okay. And she is a former stunt woman uh, who she was the best in the business, point blank. She was doubling for women. She was doubling for men. Her stunts were legendary, but they started to become too costly. Um, she was putting movies in jeopardy because, um, frankly, when you're 
putting, you know, when you're making a movie, you have to have insurance, and they, of course, have to insure the stunt doubles. And if they won't insure the stunt doubles and you have an action film, your film's in trouble. So she ended up getting fired, and she decided to use her talents to just go rob people, you know, highfalutin people. She, We start off this episode where she's robbing people in a dirigible, and uh, she gets their jewels, and she jumps out without a parachute, and she just lands on her... Um, Ooh, very phallic-looking rocket, we'll say. <laughs> well, this is another episode full of sexual references, but we'll get to that shortly. Oh, yes, we will get to that. <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, eventually she crosses Batman, of course, because this is a Batman episode. And uh, she finds that she... She thinks she and Batman are kindred spirits. She sort of misunderstands Batman. She thinks he's all about... Uh, the thrill of the chase when that's not what he's about. He's about capturing criminals. Um, he's not about letting them go so he can chase them another day. Um, so she sort of falls for him. She starts swooning for him. And this uh, puts her at odds with the person that has been buying her ill-gotten merchandise. And that, of course, is the Penguin. Um, so there's this whole scuffle between her and the Penguin. And uh, leads to this big final showdown between... Uh, Batman and Roxy on her rocket. Um, I think that sums this one up good enough. I th- yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Yeah. What do you think about this one? It's not a bad episode, but it's not really memorable or anything, you know. I don't know. Those last that last like minute is pretty memorable in my mind. Woo! <laughs> uh, you mean ah, 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 ah. <laughs> You mean that, right? Yes. If you people have not seen this episode or you haven't seen it in a long time. James really isn't exaggerating. Roxy literally has an orgasm. I am not joking you in that last minute. When it looks like she and Batman are going to die, she comes hard. Oh, my God. I did not remember that being in this episode. I I didn't either. (laughs) Not at all. I remembered Batman's cold stare, you know, where she's all like, well, you have two options. You can jump off now and hit the water you can jump off later and hit the ground and he just stays there and just keeps staring at her just folds his arms right and she starts to get very nervous which we haven't seen in her before as i said she jumped out of a dirigible with no parachute she she fears nothing and then she gets nervous 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 and she looks at batman and he's being all stoic and she's like oh my god this guy's for real she loves it instead of really scaring her it 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 Oh, it makes her love this even more. And boom. Which she is your thought impossible. Yeah. I mean, she she explodes in the panties. It was, oh, my God. I, 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 I've said it a million times on this show before, but I got to say it again. I, I don't know how they got away with this one. Not I, at all. The censors had to be looking at something else. Or they didn't show them the last minute, minute and a half of this episode. <laughs> I, that's what it has to be. That they, That's very possible. But anyways, besides besides the ending, what else about this one? Um, it has it has some really good singular animation moments, uh, such as the rocket leaving the scorch mark mm-hmm. in the tunnel. That was pretty cool. That's uh, that's not really any anything we've seen uh, to this point because it looked very realistic. Yeah, like like you if it was in an action movie and you, there you had a. Uh, Maybe I don't even know, like the Rocketeer, that movie from about, I think it was ninety one or something, like leaving just leaving a scorch mark on a wall or something. It was very very cool looking. Yeah. And uh, another one would be Batman holding Penguin over the balcony. Mm-hmm. Um, 
because there, what I really noticed about that was Batman's cape being like very comic book esque. It was very uh, jagged. It had a lot more points to it than it normally does. It was very very cool. Um, but it does have some some flaws too, like. Batman saving a piece of art again instead of going after the criminal. What the hell was that? Yeah. What was the episode? That was a Catwoman episode where this happened before. It was the uh, it was the Catwoman Scarface episode, wasn't it? Yes. What did he save though? Was it like, like a, a cat statue? Or yeah, something? it was. It was a, a taxidermy cat. That's what yeah. it was. Yeah. Uh huh. And he yeah, saved that... it from the fire, I believe, instead of going after Catwoman. Yeah, no. <sighs> but getting back to the animation real quick, was it just me or did Batman seem off model from time to time? Especially at the end when he crossed his arms, his body didn't look right to me. Did you pick up on that? Hmm. I'm trying to think back to that the where he's like folding his arms and just staring at her, but I don't I didn't notice anything just overly glaring or anything, but Maybe I should just go back and see it, and I'll, I'll notice what you're talking about. Yeah, look at it. His body looks a little weird. His face is a little weird. I think a lot of the rest of this episode looks good. I think Roxy looks great. Um, I love the way her hair flows when she's on that rocket. It almost looks like black fire. Like there's, it's, it's, you know, it's, you know, it's black with red highlights or red with black highlights. I don't remember, but it, her ponytail is mostly black and it's trailing behind her and it's got this streak of red in it and the way it's flowing, it looks alive like fire does, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, that was really cool. I love the look on her face. Um, whenever she gets excited about the chase, especially at the end when she gets starting, she's starting to get a little frightened and then she realizes what's going on and she gets into it more. And I, I don't mean that in a sexual way. You know, I'm not saying I like it because, oh my God, she has an orgasm. No, I'm just saying I like the animation um, because it shows you a lot about that character. You think she's finally scared of death, but no, she's relishing in it some more. Just that little bit they added to her face gives you that. Um, but yeah, Batman, he kept bothering me throughout this episode. And it was like the exclamation point right at the end there, where they're on that rocket. Mm. Yep, didn't catch that, but okay. this is not an episode I'm averse to going back and watching again, so I'll go back and look at that. Yeah, I mean, this is one of those, you sit down and you watch it to have fun episodes, really. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not going to be your first choice, but it shouldn't be, like, the last on your list, either. No. You right. know, going into this one, I'm going to be honest, I wanted to hate this one. I'm like, oh, shit, it's the one with the chick on the rocket? Really? What the hell? And Pretty much I, my, my thoughts exactly. And then I start watching it. And I'm like, this is kind of fun. It's got a great character introduction. She, you know, there's a chick dressed like a 1930s, 1940s, you know, kind of pulp action hero. She jumps out of a blimp with no parachute. She lands on a rocket. The police chase her. She fends the police off. I mean, it's like, oh, my God, that's that's like so right up my alley. That's how you introduce a character, you know? Yeah, and it, it, it just seemed <sighs> this might be one of the best character introductions they've done so far in all of the DCAU, in my opinion. Because they Very took likely. a character, I don't know if she exists in the comic or if they made her just for the show, but either way, they took a character I had never heard of before, had never seen before, and they made me love her, and they made me interested in her story. 
Because by the end, when Batman cuffed her, I actually felt bad for her. I don't feel bad when he cuffs the Penguin or the Riddler or Catwoman. But this woman, who I've never seen before, I was like, oh, there's no more chase for her. She's going to be locked up. Don't lock her up, Batman. She's not a bad guy. She's not. Let her go. (laughs) (laughs) She had a a very good voice actress, too. Uh, Charity James, I believe, was who did her voice. Um she did a great job. She had some great dialogue, especially with the penguin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> penguin got told <Yeah>. so badly. <laughs> Sorry, Pingy. There's some things that even I'm too afraid of. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh. yeah. God damn, he got told. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I wish I could remember some other uh, just one-liners she had. But uh, I think my favorite, my favorite scene, just for how... So just how inane it was is what the the penguins hench girl sneaking around that airfield. Mm. I mean, if you're gonna sneak around an airfield in Playboy Playmate outfits, <laughs> do you really need the bowler hats? Yeah, I know. It, it just seems kind of unnecessary. <laughs> and as soon as I saw those three sneak up to the garage, I just thought to myself, "Oh yeah, this is gonna be a short fight." Yeah, <laughs> it's not even a fight. I mean, she kicks the door in one of the girls' faces knocks the other two out, tosses them in a plane, boom, it's over, you know? <laughs> yeah, one of them gets hit in the face with a wrench, so she's dead. Oh, did she? I missed that. Who got hit in the face with a wrench? Which one? Uh, God, I don't remember which one. They were... What, what was... One no, was... okay, well, was it the one who got hit with the door, too? Did she get back? Yeah, I, think... I don't remember. Yeah, I or think was it she one was... one of the girls that, got... that got thrown in the airplane? No, it wasn't one of... The two girls that got thrown into the moving plane, they... They were the other two. The the one that got hit with the wrench was the third one. Okay, okay. I, I I didn't notice that. Maybe I was writing a note or something. I don't know. Yeah, but yeah. Well, it, anyway, it was, she's dead. Yeah, it was one of the. A lot of people die in a lot of the episodes we're going <laughs> to talk about. Yeah, we'll we'll get to some of those characters, but of course they show you that they're alive. But it's like, no, you're dead. But uh, yeah, when those when the penguins hench girls were walking up to the building, I kind of expected to hear that kind of like silent movie kind of uh, bouncy, bumbling fool kind of music. You know you know the music yeah. I'm talking about? Looney Tunes ki- exactly. type music. Just like, dump the dump the dum as they're walking up, like, oh my god. <laughs> These girls are incompetent, you know? <laughs> they might know how to fight, <laughs> yeah. but they're not prepared for this fight. <laughs> oh, sort yeah. sort of Three Stooges-ish, in a way. They really were the female Three Stooges. Sort of. I would like to have seen them play that up a little more. You know, but like have Roxy beat them with three stooges, kind of, you know, the fingers to the eye, you know, the clunking over that. You know, you all know what I'm talking about. Just, yeah, just kind of sidestep them and like slap them on the back of the head and watch them fall down. Exactly. <laughs> Stuff exactly. like that. But it was still funny what she did, throwing them in the plane and having them oh, yeah. flow, drive into the water tower. And I love Batman just going around the plane. He's like, oh, I can't yeah. even bother to stop this. You know, it just keeps on going. <laughs> well, he didn't know that they were in there, though. So you could argue that he's like, well, just maybe it's just some guy taking off that's true that's true but you'd think he'd see four legs sticking up out of a plane because you know they were kind of upside down that's true they were up they were face first in the seat (laughs) oh Uh, so what else what else do you uh have to say about this one um you know one of the things i found funny happens in roxy's introduction and it's the fact that the police use lethal force on her when she never used lethal force on anybody if you think about it, she's on her rocket, or she lands on her rocket, and she's flying around trying to get away from them, and they start shooting at her 
with machine guns, but she hasn't done anything to warrant that kind of attack yet. And then how does she respond? Not by shooting them with bullets, but by shooting a gas canister into the helicopter. Sure, it causes them to crash, but at the same time, it wasn't, they didn't die and it wasn't lethal force. They could have landed the helicopter. They didn't have to crash, you know? Yeah, it was an escapist trick. Yeah, so it, it was weird that I, I'm like, wait, the cops are shooting at her before she is shot at them. Doesn't that break some sort of protocol? You know? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. She's flying around on a rocket, so I don't, maybe they thought it was something deadlier. Okay, something. well, let's put it this know. way if she's flying around on a rocket, if they shoot her, it's gonna it could crash into a car, it could crash into a building. If yeah. said rocket also happens to be an explosive device, maybe it's a nuclear missile or just a biological weapon or something like that, and a stray bullet happens to set it off, the cops aren't doing any good. Why are they shooting at a woman on a rocket? Either way, this isn't going to end well for anybody. <laughs> <laughs> Those Gotham police officers, they need to learn. They need to learn. <laughs> Very much so. Yeah. Um well, speaking of the cops, I love how I, – I always love this when the cops always manage to pull right up to the the very point where the villain is apprehended, no matter where yeah. where the final checkmate is made by the hero. Yeah. I I, I love that, and I'm, I'm being uh, in, incredibly serious there, really. <laughs> no, no, no I'm, I'm not being sarcastic at all. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, it's like they're waiting around the corner, and, you know, Batman's finally got the crook in the handcuffs, and Batman calls me. He's like, okay, you can come in now. And they're just like, okay. <laughs> I'm going to apprehend her at this cliff. Be there at this a precise moment. Yeah. Because <laughs> it was a pretty rem a remote location. You know, there's yeah. no way. There's no way they knew what the hell was going on. Because where did that fight start? The final fight? I don't remember. Ooh. Was it in her? It was on the airstrip. It started on the airstrip. Yeah, it did. Yeah. Yeah, because she had two rockets there and they both took off. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Who alerted the police? You know, who, who, who did, did Penguin's hench girls call and say, yeah, we were just trying to kill someone and she then tried to kill us. And now her and Batman are flying rockets over a canyon. Can you go stop them? Like who called? <laughs> 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 or maybe it was the Penguin. Maybe he's like, oh, I sent my hench girls to go kill people. I, it, it's ridiculous, but you just kind of accept it. You know, mm. you know, speaking of the Penguin. I, I really liked a couple of shots of him in this episode. Um, whenever we saw him front on, he looked a lot like Burgess Meredith, the old Burgess Meredith Penguin. Really? Yeah. From the side, not so much. But there were a couple of shots, you know, where we see him front on. Because you don't see the Penguin from the front on a lot because they want to show his profile and his nose. Right. But yeah, we get this front on shot of him. And I'm like, wow, that kind of looks like a younger Burgess Meredith Penguin. I, I, I like that. I thought that was cool. You know, just paying a little tribute to that old show this uh, this episode I, I didn't i never thought it was bad or anything but mm. i didn't think it was great but i'm start i'm just <laughs> i'm enjoying it a lot more this you know what i like in this too is when uh we were discussing uh what was it the strange secret of bruce wayne and uh the more and more we talked about it you liked it a lot more that's how i kind of feel about this one brainiacs trying to alter our past and your future he wants to kill you before you ever become superman super who superman you Red underpants? Now I know you're crazy. I realize all this is hard to take in, and maybe we do seem a little... Um, freaky? But if you just open your mind... 
The 30th century is an age of unparalleled peace and prosperity. But none of this would have been possible without you. Me? Superman showed us that beings from different worlds could work together for a greater good. This is the principle on which the Legion of Superheroes was founded. But Brainiac would tear all this apart. He's a living computer who destroys whole planets. Superman stopped him, but after years of dormancy, Brainiac managed to reassemble himself. He's made his way back here to destroy you. We've got to stop him. Our past depends on it. And your future. Next up today is the Superman episode, New Kids in Town. Uh, the episode actually starts in the year 2979, uh, where we see Brainiac uh, breaking into a... Uh, I don't know if it was a government building or what, but wherever it was, um, there is a portal there. Uh, a time portal, and he overloads the circuits and ends up traveling back into the past uh, to uh, Smallville to destroy Clark Kent as a teenager before he can be ever become Superman. So anyway, back in 2979, um, the Legion of Superheroes is called onto the scene to uh, figure out what's going on, or to help figure out what's going on. And so they they just jump into the portal, even though there's really no way to bring them back. Yeah, it's sort uh, of a very Terminator-ish moment, mm -hmm. you know, with the whole... If you remember the first Terminator film, Kyle volunteered for that mission knowing he'd never be able to go home. And that is what maybe might happen to the Legionnaires here. They're going to go to the past. They might not see their time ever again, but it's that important. Saving a young Clark Kent is that important to them. Yes. Sorry, didn't mean and, to No, that's great. Uh, great catch there. Um, the three, the three that go back in time are Saturn Girl, Chameleon Boy, and Cosmic Boy. Um, so you know, Brainiac ends up walking all over Smallville, causing mass destruction, and he ends up assaulting Clark several times. And you know, the Legion has to save him. Uh, you know, Clark's powers haven't really fully developed, but they they're enough to save his life on every occasion. So, but eventually Brainiac attacks Clark at the Kent farm and household, and that's when Clark just has enough and starts using his powers to their full potential at the time. And he and, you know, the, he and the Legion manage to, uh, you know, subdue Brainiac and somehow send him into the sun uh, <laughs> with, his, uh, with his own belt. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, uh, but then, you know, Saturn Girl uses her uh her powers to wipe the memories of everyone in Smallville, making think it was just this huge tornado that ripped through there, causing all this destruction. And last, lastly, she wipes Clark's mind so as not to cause a time paradox. So that's really about it. Uh, thoughts? Uh, um, you know, I like what this episode was trying to do, introducing the Legion of Superheroes showing that Brainiac is still operational in the 30th century. Uh, I like the fact that we get to see Clark in his youth when he's a little more arrogant before he becomes the Clark that we all know and love. But really, I don't know. I'm not crazy about this one. It's not bad. It's not bad. But I just, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just not crazy about it. What about you? Uh, I kind of like this episode. It's, it's a pretty fun episode, I think. Um, and I think it's because... I think it's fun because I found myself almost cheering when Clark was 
punching the hell out of Brainiac, uh. and and Cosmic Boy, you know, hurling just thing after thing after thing at Brainiac of the tool shed. Yeah. Um, I think this this episode really has some awesome animation sequences, considering that we never see Superman per se. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, because Brainiac here is. I don't know. That's I just loved the fight. Really, I love the fight scenes uh, more than anything. Um, but I, had a, I actually had a question uh, pretty early on. Did Lana actually hurt Clark? Right there, like physically, when she uh, I can't remember. Did she if it was she slapped him or shoved him or something? I don't remember what it was. But Clark actually looked like he he was hurting. I don't know. She threw her coat at him, didn't she, or something, or his coat. It, or yeah, or th- I don't know. What, I can't. God, I can't remember. That. I watched this episode like a couple of days ago, so I'm. I'm I just watched it a few hours ago, and I don't remember. All I remember is her throwing a jacket at him or yanking something from him. I don't remember him getting hit or anything. But yeah, I may have to go back and see. Uh, yeah, I think I'm gonna have to go back because damn it, I wish I could remember what that note was about. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but. Yeah, there there are plenty of things that I have to question here. Brainiac is vulnerable to shotgun shells. <laughs> what is this, Halo? Yeah, I know. <laughs> He's this advanced alien technology that is never okay. Think about this: this version of Brainiac is nine hundred years in the future. Nine hundred years in the no. A thousand years in the future. Pardon me, I was off by a hundred years. He's from a thousand years in the future. And he comes back in time and shotgun shells can hurt him. Like, what? A, a, a brainiac that exists a thousand years from now should be, like, nothing can dent him. Nothing. In our time, I should say. should be able to dent that motherfucker. But, oh, projectiles, projectiles. Th- those will get you every time. It's almost like the Borg in Star Trek. Laser beams don't hurt them anymore, but, oh, bullets do. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> But I will say, I thought that was a cool moment. Jonathan coming out with a shotgun, and it looks like, you know, he pulls two off, and it looks like he's about to bite it, and then boom, Martha shoots Brainiac too. <laughs> yeah, that was that was another uh, moment where I was like, yes, that's yeah, awesome. I wasn't expecting that. I've seen this one before, but it's been a long time. I really want to say I've probably only seen this one once, maybe twice before now. Um, so I did not remember that thing with Martha. So it was a really nice, pleasant surprise. There were a lot of surprises in this one. Um, as you said, the, the fight scenes are really good. They are. I like Clark coming out of the fire um, after uh, Brainiac throws, what's he throwing him, like a tractor or something? Tractor and a, I can't remember what the name of that tool is, but it, it's a... Uh, the, the thing yeah, that's turning the wheat, yeah. Yeah, whatever that was. I mean, those two things blow up around him, and Clark comes out of the fire. That was neat. Um, I love – you actually get to see Clark kind of grow into a man. At this point, he is still a boy. He is a teenager, and he grows up here. Um, he sort of realizes what his destiny is going to be, and he, he takes charge of it and kicks the crap out of Brainiac. I mean, he ripped the motherfucker's arm off. Think about yes. that. You know, Brainiac going into that portal, and he's like, boom, just, whoa. How did he do that? Because I don't even think the Superman – that we know has ever ripped Brainiac's arm off. But as a kid, he was able to. Go figure. <laughs> uh, Rage will do that to you. Yeah. Did he hit him with the arm? No, he kept it in his hand as Brainiac went to the portal, right? Mm, I want to say that he took the arm and pun- and slapped him across the face with it. I, think, I really do. Is that how he freed himself? Because Brainiac was still holding on to Clark at that point, right? Yeah, I think, okay. I think that's how it went down. Okay, and yeah... 
uh, when Brainiac goes through that portal and for whatever reason he's hurling towards the sun, that was kind of gruesome. The way his oh, yeah, face melted, it was it was very um. Yeah. What was that? Uh, Temple of Doom? No, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. It was very much like the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark, where the guy's mm-hmm. faces melt. I was like, wow, he's, he's melting like that. Yucky. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it was that was a fitting way for Brainiac to exit Superman the animated series because he never comes back. Well, just have him melt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now here here's something I have to ask. Mm-hmm. This Brainiac is from 2979. So that means his death at the end of Justice League is negated. That means he survives. Right. right. So I I wish they would have explained how. Now, granted, this episode was produced years, years before the, the ending of Justice League was ever conceived. Hell, before the Justice League cartoon was conceived. But I wish they would have dropped a little hint in Justice League showing us like a little piece of Brainiac sitting somewhere, somewhere to be reactivated someday. And if you know the DCAU, you know what that day is. That's sometime in the Legion's timeline. That's all yeah. I'm saying. Um, well, you know, someone well, could it, make the claim that maybe someone got a hold of Brainiac's arm. Cause remember Luthor says the smallest part of Brainiac can reignite Brainiac's life. Remember that? So maybe someone somewhere found Brainiac's arm. Maybe Clark threw it in the dumpster. He buried it. We don't know. It's found a thousand years later, and boom, there he is. But just a little something, a little little nod to the past and to the future would have been cool. Well, now, remember at the end of Destroyer, the final episode of JLU, uh, that's when Darkseid is merged with Brainiac technology, and he's just stupidly powerful now. there, there could have been something because remember Luthor and Darkseid just disappear mm-hmm. at the end of the episode with the anti-life equation. So there's any number of things that could have happened to have Darkseid or Darkseid uh, Brainiac be reactivated after that. That's true too. Yeah, that is true. Um, I do have to wonder though why future Brainiac, knowing everything he does, would go in the past to try to kill Clark. Think about this. Why wouldn't he just go into the past? to destroy the Earth and leave with all the information he's gathered. Think about it. Why why, why try to stop Superman? Why not just destroy the Earth before Clark is even Superman? Do it, instead of mucking about anywhere near Clark, do it in a region of the world where Clark couldn't get to even if he wanted to. You see what I'm saying here? Or even even more, go back to Krypton and... uh kill Jor-El before he can uh, or, uh, stop the rocket, shoot it out of the yeah. sky. Something that, yeah. There's so many... Okay, now granted, that's less dramatic. You know what I mean? And we can't exactly be shooting babies out of the sky. Okay, we understand no. that. But there's there's other things they could have done. It would have been neat to see Krypton again with Jor-El fighting alongside the fucking Legion. That would have been great. But... Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. You know I, it, it's just uh, like a very flawed plan. It's like, let's draw attention oh, to ourselves by beating up a young Clark Kent who we know has powers. Might not be as powerful as Superman, but he still has powers and could potentially beat us up. No, just just go somewhere, launch a few billion nukes or however many there are, destroy the world. You've got all this information. And mind you, not, not only does he have the information from this era, but he's got a whole other thousand years. This is a very advanced brainiac. He's got tons of stuff. He should be content and just zip off into the stars 
after destroying the Earth. Don't muck about with Superman. That's bullshit. That is such a flawed plan. And I think, in my opinion, that's one of the things that really hurts this episode. Yeah. Again, not a bad episode, but if Brainiac's plan was better, I, I would have enjoyed this one a little more. Yeah. Um, a couple of good one-liners here, actually. Uh, like a pair of glasses is going to fool anyone. Yeah, yeah. Obviously a good one there. <laughs> um, when the Legion shows up and confronts Brainiac in Smallville, and Brainiac says, where are the other Legionnaires? And Chameleon Boy's just like, hey, it's only you. <laughs> so Brainiac got, Brainiac got told. Yeah. Uh, those I think those were my two favorites. Uh, but uh, the Kents are fans of the Dukes of Hazard, apparently. Now that was interesting, because think about who would go on to play Jonathan Kent in Smallville. Think about uh, that. I haven't watched Smallville. It was yet. it was Bo Duke. Really? Or was it the other Duke? Yeah. Think about it. The dad from Smallville, Jonathan Kent from Smallville, was one of the the Duke boys. And I was like, okay, is that just, like, a crazy coincidence? Or when they were casting the part, did someone think back to this episode and go, hey, how cool would it be to get one of the Duke boys to play Jonathan Kent? <laughs> like, oh, I seriously had to think for a second. I was like, wait, when was this produced and when did Smallville start? And I'm thinking to myself, I just got all hickish there. I'm thinking to myself. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was the one from the Deep South. <laughs> Yeah, you don't sound like it though. <laughs> I had to I had to remind myself that Smallville's been on what seven, eight years? So it started two thousand, two thousand one. This would have been produced in the nineties. So it's yeah. it's gotta be just some weird coincidence. But it would it seriously made me sit up and go, Whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> uh so do you have any more thoughts about this one? Yeah, I got a couple more. Uh, earlier, we had mentioned, or I should say, I had mentioned the, the Terminator thing. Yeah. Where they, they don't know if they can come back to their own timeline. There was another Terminator thing, of course. That's when Brainiac enters the diner. And he's looking around, and we get that robot point of view all in red, and he's scanning people. That's mm -hmm. straight out of the Terminator films. So is the scene later where his, his uh, camera's malfunctioning because he's been hit by so many things. Right, exactly. I mean, this this had to be inspired by the Terminator on so many levels. There's time travel. Not only that, they don't know if they can return. There's the point of view stuff. There's this. There's that. He melts. You know, okay, granted, he the Terminator didn't melt in the first Terminator film. He did in the second, but that's still a reference nonetheless. Yes. I, I, and his arm came off. His arm came off in the first Terminator film. Uh, Arnold, his his arm uh, didn't get crushed, and that's what caused the second Terminator film, if you remember. Right. So, it's been so long since I've seen Terminator 1. I've seen Terminator 2 a bajillion times. Well, it's a great action film. Both of them are, really. Fucking right. But, yeah. Um, yeah, seriously, I think whoever wrote this one was like, you know, I gotta go look at the Terminator and see how I can turn it into an episode focusing on Clark and Smallville with Brainiac and the Legionnaires. <laughs> It's like it's it's there's so many references and they're neat they're they're really neat. Uh, I'm sure there might even be some some more that I missed. But speaking about that diner scene, and this goes back to what I said earlier about characters that are dead. Kenny gets thrown through that sign. Fucking yeah! Oh my god, that guy's dead. Yeah, they, and then it gets and falls on him too. Yeah, and then later on they pretend like he's alive. Oh, you're, you're lucky you just got stuck up there, son. That was a bad tornado. What? What? Come on. You know, he got thrown through a fucking electrical sign. He would have got, if not concussed to the point of death, he would have been electrocuted. Oh. 
<laughs> but did you notice who voiced Kenny? Clark's douchebag yeah, rival? That was Scott Menville, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. It was uh, Robin from the Teen Titans cartoon. Again, mm-hmm. doing some more uh, DCAU work. Um, Amen to that. I'm trying to look. Let's see. I'm looking at my notes here. What else do I have? Yeah, a couple other little things that bothered me. Like, why did Brainiac send his little drones drones in to the Clark or the Clark household, the Kent household, to scan? He he had we see he had heat vision or not heat vision, but thermal vision because he he uses it to find Clark later. Remember? Yes. So why did he just scan the house, see they were all in the cellar, and then just destroy the fucking house? Yeah, just collapse it on top of everyone. Right. Why send your drones in there? Oh, it's uh, robot alert. I forgot. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you. This one has so much potential and I think they blew it. I just really don't think they blew it. I like, I like this episode a lot. It's another episode I can just sit down and watch. (sighs) Just, 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 uh, laugh at the one liners and, you know, the awesome action sequences. I just, okay. Maybe blew it is, is a little too harsh. I will admit that it just, it just could have been better. In my opinion, just that, that I definitely agree with. It's it's really a whole bunch of little things here and there came together to get on my nerves and start to negate the things that I really liked about it, such as the Terminator references. Yes. Commissioner, what can I do for you? Drop the act. Ten minutes on Barbara's computer told me everything. Like a fool, I allowed you to run wild on your private crusade. A psychotic misfit, playing masked hero. Now I've paid for it with Barbara's life. Jim, believe me. I know how you feel. You can't. You know how I lost my parents. The only way I could hold on to my sanity was to take matters into my own hands. That makes us even. Next up is the classic Gotham Knights episode, Over the Edge. This one, really, point blank, is all about the death of Batgirl. She is, or death of Batgirl, in quotes, of course. Um, (laughs) She and uh, Batman are chasing Scarecrow, and uh, they chase him up to a rooftop, and uh, Batgirl jumps what she thinks is Scarecrow. It's not. It's just his coat hanging on top of a, uh, like an, an antenna or something. And uh, this causes her to go like, whoa. And as she turns around from her whoa moment, Scarecrow cracks her in the face with his cane, sending her off a skyscraper and down to her death. Um, as she lands, we'll say, um, uh, she she's found by Jim Gordon. And, uh, well, you know, found in quotes. <laughs> Yeah, God, she kind of just little... happens happens into yeah. his car. <laughs> yeah, oof, that was that was nasty. But we'll get into that. Um, yeah, she lands on his car, and uh, as Bullock runs off to find out what the hell's going on, while white Batgirl's falling from the sky, um, she she says, "Dad," and he's like, "Barbara, what the fuck?" And he takes off her mask, and she she tries to apologize for keeping this from him, but she dies, and this sets off a terrible chain of events. Uh, that lead to uh, Gordon finding out who Batman is, uh, then Gordon hunting down, just truly hunting down Bruce Wayne slash Batman, taking out Batman's family one at a time, and it leads to this 
ultimate climax, this final showdown between Batman, Bane, and Gordon. Um, and at the end of the day, though, it turns out, oh, this was all a dream. It was all a hallucination caused by Scarecrow's fear toxin. And uh, it was Batgirl's uh, nightmare. And uh, this is what she feared would happen if she ever died. And uh, she finally comes to the realization that she can't keep this secret from her father anymore. She has to know because if she dies, uh, she can't have that on her conscience. So, James, thoughts? Wow. <sighs> like, this is, uh, this is arguably the best episode of Gotham Knights there is. I, I say arguably because we still haven't gotten to old wounds yet. Yeah. Um, and I want to, I, before I just clear out, clear cut say that this is the best episode i want to be able to review that <laughs> but till now easily 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 the best um this is you know it's another episode where you know i can't believe they got away with batgirl's death though i cannot believe the censors allowed allowed them to have this poor girl plummeting to her death on top of a car especially with the camera angle that they used inside the because car. the camera it's yeah. yeah it's inside the car yeah Oh, man. Whew. Yeah, because if they had the camera outside the car, anywhere outside the car, no matter what the angle was, the death would have meant so much less, I think. But because we're in the car with her dad, and yes. boom, she hits it. It's like, what the hell's going on? Her mask comes off. Oh, my God. It, it's so much more powerful. If we would have followed her down from the skyscraper or just been waiting on the ground for it to happen outside the car... It just it just wouldn't have had the hard and the pun impact. Ugh, that was nasty. I didn't mean that. <laughs> that You're was unintentional, I swear. But yeah, because here's the thing: we know she got knocked off the building. We know yes. that. But because they jolt us, they're like all of a sudden it's like, oop, we're, we're changing point of view real quick. They put us in the car and we're kind of lulled into this sense of comfort. We're, we're in a police car. We're being protected by Harvey Bullock and Jim Gordon, two really great cops, you know? And they're going about their day. They're heading to City Hall about to find out what's going on with the Scarecrow. And then, you know, we're shocked back into that moment. We knew Becker was falling, but we forget because we're comforted. Yeah, we and figure, you know, off, she'll yeah. just gra use a grapple and find a, a ledge or something to grab onto. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But no. But no. 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 Because they chose that, it really drove the point home of, of what they were trying to get across. Oh, oh. And, and, and yeah, think about it. If, you know, if Gordon and Bullock had been uh, two feet further forward, they all would have died. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Because she would have crushed her body them. Would have, her body would have crushed everything. Mm-hmm. You know, so, Yeah. But, you know, this is just – this episode is an amazing take on, you know, what would happen if Gordon and Batman ever came to blows. Um, Though I got I to gotta say I, something, if you don't mind. Go ahead. I do think that it's a le little egotistical of Barbara Gordon to think that her death would lead to Batman killing people. Think about that. Because Barbara died, he lost everything which makes him not care about life anymore. And he's willing to kill Bane. He murders Bane. He yes. literally murders that man. And Barbara somehow thinks that her death would drive Batman to, 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 to that. That's a little egotistical in my mind. Everything else I could kind of see happening. Jim's 
Jim breaking down, wanting to find out what's going on, going after Batman. I could buy all that. But, I don't know, Batman killing people all of a sudden because of Barbara? I don't know, maybe Dick, maybe Dick. But Barbara? I don't see it. Pardon me, but I just don't. Someone yeah. wants to disagree with me, you know my email, you know the email address. Yes. Um, I think maybe the the best, uh, well, God, I don't even know if, uh, okay, I'll just say this. The phone conversation that Gordon has with Bruce mm-hmm. near the beginning of the episode is hardcore. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my God, it, it really is great because you get Batman, you get Bruce's psyche. He just flat out says, look, the only reason, the only way I could keep my sanity was to take, take matters into my own hands. And Gordon just flat out says, well, that makes us even. Mm-hmm. And then that, the very next thing you see is them busting through the gates of Wayne Manor. They had, they had some great storyboarding here. The, the animation with, like what we just said with the, with Barber falling onto the car and with the with all the stuff that happens in Wayne Manor, where they're f- running through the Bat Cave, the the animation in this episode is just stellar. Yeah, if you want the truth, I think one of my favorite scenes—not I shouldn't say scenes, but one of my favorite shots—is a shot most people are going to overlook, and it's once the cops bust into Wayne Manor and they all just start flooding the the, the whole front room area. You just see all the SWAT team, the members of the SWAT team, just coming in and just storming that building, and it's like, yeah, that's fucked up, you know. <laughs> yeah. It, but if you think about it, it's it, if you're going to go after Batman, you're going to need that many cops dressed like that, and maybe even then some, you know. And I, I just like that moment. Gordon knows who he's dealing with, and he's not playing any games. He's brought rocket launchers. He's brought grenades. He has brought tanks. He has brought everybody on that force to take this guy down because he knows it's going to take an army to stop him. I love that. Yes. You know, the, the Batman killing people notwithstanding, that was the best Batman-Bane fight ever. But it's just too bad it never happened. Yeah. It, it, it is some fight, really, We got some really brutal uh, attacks in there with Batman just gathering a bunch of rocks and smacking him across the face with it. Mm-hmm. That was pretty cool. And then we got Bane getting thrown off of one building onto another through a bunch of neon signs. And, and then thrown was... into the bat signal and landing on the yeah. glass and then electrocuted. I mean, everybody just goes through hell in this one. And Bane goes through most of it, really. <laughs> <laughs> well, physically. Everybody yeah. else goes mentally. Yeah. Oh, man. Now, and I, well, here's one. Okay, okay go, no, go, no, ahead. go ahead. Go ahead. You go ahead. I was going to say, one thing I don't like, of course, is another Johnny Cochran joke. Yes. God, and they even mentioned that in the in the the um, commentary for this episode. God, it makes this it makes this seem so dated. Yeah, <laughs> really, Paul. You think though? Yeah, it was funny at the time, maybe, but now, oh, it's brutal. No, what I was going to say, and this pertains to Bane. Mm-hmm. Why Bane? Why did Gordon go to Bane? Why, hell, fuck that. Why did Deanie and company use Bane? Why didn't they use the Joker? Um, what, here's, like, why? That bothers me so much. Because i got to uh, tell you, that whole scene where Gordon is talking to the mysterious convict in the prison could have been awesomer. Yes, awesomer. If, you know, <laughs> when Gordon's talking to him and he's like, I'll cut you a deal on your sentence, blah, 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 blah. And we can't see the face and suddenly we hear the Mark Hamill Joker cackle. And you're like, oh, my God, he went to him? You know what I mean? 
Think about how cool that would have been. And then you got Joker, you got Batman, you've got Gordon, all in this big final fight. Come on. I really want to know what was up with that. Do you know? Uh, here's my attempt to explain it. Gordon, while pretty much driven almost completely out of his gourd here, uh, has to know that the Joker can't be trusted under any situation. Joker will just go off and do whatever the hell he wants. Uh, but you, and so instead, you go to a guy who's a hired assassin, who works for money and deals. So, and Bane is also the man who can put up the best physical fight against Batman. So that's right. my attempt to explain it there. I understand that, you know. And, but I do agree with you that going to the Joker in uh, the way you explain it there, that would have been just awesome on many, many levels. But I, I think Bane actually was probably the best choice given the circumstances around it. Mm-hmm. That's, that's my take on it. Well, here you go then. If you're going to use Bane and you're going to make it a dream sequence, this whole episode being a dream sequence, then i got to tell you, we should have got the Batman broken over his knee. Yeah, we should have. If, I mean, if if you've quote unquote killed Barbara Gordon, you've arrested every you know Alfred, Nightwing, Tim. We don't know where he is. Did he go on the run? Did he turn himself in? What did he do? We don't know. Batman tells him to do something, but Tim's a street kid. He might have went back on the run. Okay, and then you, you know you've got Jim hanging off a ledge. There's no reason that Bane shouldn't have grabbed Batman and just cracked his back in that final moment. You know, or he cracks his back, everything looks hopeless, and Batman musters just enough strength to try to save Gordon, and that's how they end up all off the roof. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But yeah, they should have done the back thing. And this isn't coming from a fanboy of uh, uh, Nightfall. You know, I'm not one of those like, oh my god, that was the best Batman story ever, people. And I'm not knocking the people that feel that way. Not at all. I'm just saying, if you're going to do it, go for it. Go the full Monty. But oh well. Absolutely. I, I'm just trying to think how they could have... Uh, well, I guess really they didn't have to. I was going to say how they would have Bane just collapsing there at the end, but they don't really have to. You can just have Bane walk off. How how Oh, that would have been messed up, too. And, you know, if you think about how dark this episode is, sure, Bane breaks Batman's back. You know, he picks him up, throws him off the roof. And he hits Gordon. They're falling, and you just see Bane walk off. And now he's free. So Barbara's death led to Bane being free. Not just him being dead, but free. And now who can stop him? Who can stop Bane? Um, Of course, that would be Superman swooping in to save the day. But that's not the point. Uh, (laughs) Who in Gotham? Yeah, exactly. He's just going to cause havoc. He's now going to run that town. He's going to own that town. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, we're we're fantasy booking it, so to speak. (laughs) Yeah. Let's let's focus on what was actually there. (laughs) Um, I do have to wonder... Why Bane was so big in prison? Bane shouldn't have been on Venom. He should have been the the pipsqueaky guy that we know him to be when he's off the drug. So why was he sitting in jail looking as big as he did? I don't know, but he did look bald. <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay, I'll give you that. But in in BTAS he had hair. In BTAS he had hair. All right, he did. I, I admit. But okay. anyway, <laughs> tangent aside. Yeah, I don't. I don't understand that at all. Because uh, he clearly doesn't have access to the steroids in Arkham yeah. or wherever he's being held. I think he was in a uh, the prison. I think they Black could, Gate. Yeah, they showed a shot of it, and it wasn't Arkham. Because Bane's not crazy. 
No, he's not. He's just a big old fucker that kills people for money. That's it. Yep. Um, so, yeah. You know, I will say about this episode, yeah, it's, it's a dream. We all know that. But if you view this for the first time and you don't know it's a dream and you're watching this after Apocalypse Now Part 2, it's conceivable that they would kill Batgirl. It really is. And they killed fucking Turpin. They killed the main character over on that show. So why mm-hmm. not kill Batgirl? Okay, now granted, you might not be able to buy everything else that happens. Batman getting unmasked, all that shit happening. But hell, if they're killing people on screen, maybe they're going to do this other shit too and just totally turn the Batman mythos up on its upside down. You know, just turn it on its ear and see where it goes from there. So, you know, first time viewing... I could see people really buying it. I know I did. Um, but I'll also say, first time viewing, when I saw it was a dream, I was like, motherfuck, really? A dream? Okay, yeah. granted, it was the fear toxin, so it's a little different. It wasn't like Barbara just woke up in bed and was like, woo, I'm glad that was all a dream. I'm going back to sleep. Because it did have repercussions. She did have to actually sit down and talk to her dad. But, uh, God, did that ending feel rushed. Where she, just sitting and talking with uh, Jim, mm-hmm. it's just wow. That scene, I bet that scene lasted a total of forty-five seconds, from dinner yeah. to where Jim says, "You don't need my approval to do whatever you want to do," or whatever he says. It was like, wow, that that was quick. Yeah, yeah, that was something that you know we didn't need to, you know, we didn't need like five minutes. We didn't no. need a whole episode or anything like that. But yeah, it's just like, oh, Dad, you know, uh, uh, um, I kind of wear, um, um, Barbara, I trust you, and sometimes I can't, I can't approve of or even acknowledge the the, the jobs you do. Wink, you know what I mean? Because he does wink at her. I don't know if you noticed that. It's real cute. Yeah, he did. Um, yeah. But it's like there should have been a little more to that conversation. Her stumbling, not her dragging him away from the table, being all like, "Dad, there's something I got to tell you, and you're not gonna like it." It should have been like, "Um, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, seemed a little more natural." Because um, that's a big moment. Gordon is saying, "I know what you do, but because of my job, I can't acknowledge this." Gordon is setting up plausible deniability. Is what he's doing. Mm-hmm. If if Barbara ever gets caught, he's setting it up so that basically so he doesn't get in trouble, really. <laughs> That's what he's doing. Because yeah. think about it. Uh. He can't admit that he knows that his daughter is a vigilante that he's used so many times to help fight crime. He can't do that. You know, so if he ever gets called into court and says, Do you know who Batman is? Do you know who Batgirl is? He can now say no, because it it was never outright said between him and Barbara. So he can protect her, and he can protect himself, and he can still protect Batman. I like that. What I also like about that scene is if he knows who Barbara is, he's then got to know who she's running around with. Because she hangs around with Bruce Wayne. They don't keep that a secret. She's hung around. And Dick, too. Right. Yeah. If Think about, you know, just think about that. You know, Gordon's going to put the pieces together. He's going to say, wait a minute, Dick Grayson left town for a while. Then then he comes back. In his absence, Robin disappears, but a younger Robin pops up. Then Dick comes back, and this Nightwing character pops up with the same fucking haircut? What's going on here? He's going to have it all right there. You know? So I, I, I love it when they portray Gordon as being a smart cop and not the kind of cop who's like, 
oh, I need Batman to save the day. He, he doesn't need Batman to save the day all the time, just sometimes. Yeah. So, sorry, that was my little soapbox. Sorry. <laughs> Oh man! You know, I gotta say, uh, hang on. I'm, I'm sorry. I gotta say one more thing about that conversation at the end between Barbara uh-huh. and her dad. You know, Batman was somewhere, somewhere listening into that. Yes, he was on the ledge, or he put the little bat signal sonic thingy on the window and was listening from three rooftops over. But you know, he was there somewhere. Yeah. You don't see him, but he's there. <laughs> or you know what? <laughs> he stole he stole that suit, that invisible suit from uh, See No Evil, and he's actually in the apartment listening. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> he's risking cancer to, to to make sure Barbara doesn't say too much because if she does, thunk back of the head, it's over. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> oh. Okay. Here's well there was another thing I had to say. There were some minor lip syncing problems here. Yeah. Um and there was some the animation got choppy at points, really choppy at points, but there wasn't really anything overtly bad. I think the animation overall was really good. Mm. <clears throat> but uh I'm tr- and I'm trying to think uh where there was one there was one scene where the lip syncing was pretty bad, but I want to say it w- I you know, I want to say it was the the scene where there everybody's chasing the Batman and Robin through the Batcave. That was, I think, that was when it was because there was just a bunch of problems there with lip syncing. Hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, I have to go back to Bane here again. There was a really cool line he had, Gordon, where he, Gordon says, "Look, I want him to rot in Arkham, where surrounded by the monsters he helped create." And Bane's like, "Poetic, but no." <laughs> and then uh, Gordon's like, "We had a deal." And he's like, mm, thought about it. Didn't work for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's Bane right there. Mm-hmm. That's That was, I love just that, those five lines of dialogue. I, I could listen to those on loop, and, I'd be, and it would still just chuckle at it every time. Yeah. Yeah, I used to have, uh, what's that line where he says, give your daughter a kiss for me? You know, that Ooh, line. Oh, that's yeah. cool. But that used to be my, uh, when I would shut down my computer, that's what it would say every time I shut it down. That's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't. I don't use that one anymore. But for, I mean, seriously, for a couple of years, that was that's what it was. Um, there's one thing I want to mention about Barbara hitting the car. I used to have. Okay, I won't beat her on the bush. Years ago, years ago, I downloaded this episode. This was before these episodes were available on DVD, and mm-hmm. uh, I, I wanted to watch this one bad and you know they were rerunning these things on tv but i wanted to see this one now i didn't want to wait for the next time it was on tv to catch it so i downloaded it the one i downloaded though was from the uk um the reason i know that is because whatever little thing you know when you download something it'll say like fox network in the corner or something like that this had some bbc or british thing in the corner and it's edited barbara's death is edited she falls off the building if I'm, it's been a couple of years, so pardon me if I'm wrong, but she falls off the building, and then the next thing we see is Gordon consoling her on the ground. We don't see the thunking on the car. Right. I remember that. Yeah, so I, it was uh, – I, I thought it was interesting that the British – you know, the, the, yeah, the British censors cut those few seconds out, and I'd you – know, I, I was just curious why they – Okay, granted, it's brutal. They did but it, we didn't. 
Yeah, that's kind of what I'm saying. Yeah, why we allowed it and they didn't. I don't know. If we have any listeners from the uh, UK, I would be interested to know if the Region 2 DVDs have it on there or if it's still edited down. Because hopefully when they put it on DVD, they're like, okay, let's throw it back in there. But for television broadcasts, we have to keep it cut. I'm really curious about that. Yeah, uh, definitely, because – and we have several listeners from the UK, so guys, definitely write write in and let us know. Mm -hmm. And, hell, write in and let me know if I'm making this up, but I don't think I am. I'm positive I remember her not hitting the car in the the British version I saw. So if anybody saw it, let me know if I'm right or wrong on that one, but I'm 99% sure I'm right. I saw it too, Mike. I I can – I can tell you right now that you're right. Okay, I remember good. watching an edited. I remember watching an edited version of it on American TV. Really? Come to think of it, it was like I said. You said or years and years and years uh, yeah. ago when they were rerunning Gotham Knights on television. But yeah, it was the first time I watched it on TV when it was it was first aired. It was it was unedited, and then the the second time a couple years later when I watched it, it was edited. Like you like you just said, they completely took out the thunk on the car out. Yeah, I'm I'm glad they kept it. For the DVDs, then, if they were editing it later, you know, it was sort of like, in a, you remember in the, I think it was the very first episode of World's Finest Podcast, we were talking about on leather wings, and I said I was glad that they kept the. Remember there was the scene where the uh, the police blimp crashes into the building and it's this big fiery ball of death. You remember that? Yeah. I yeah. had said I was glad they kept that in for the DVD release because these DVDs were released after September 11th. And, you know, we're very sensitive to flying objects crashing into buildings and blowing up. So I was worried that when that episode hit the the DVDs, it was going to be gone. And I I praised them for having the guts to actually keep it in there, for saying, this is what aired, this is what we produced, it has to stay in. So I'm glad they did the same with the, uh, at least the Region 1 DVDs, with with Barbara's death, I should say. Yeah. Um. Earlier, I was speaking about uh, Bullock, and I said we'd get to a moment that I think is a shining moment for Bullock. Mm-hmm. And it's this episode right here where uh, uh, he's come back. You know, he, uh, Bar- you know, Batgirl's dead. Jim's sitting there holding her, crying. Bullock has run off, but he's come back, and Batman's there now. And he's, boom, he's just got the gun on him. And what does he say? It's something like... Uh, That's as far as you go, freak. Murderer. He says murderer murder oh that's right same freak i was expecting freak and he said murderer and uh batman takes a step it even looks like he might be reaching for his belt and bullet shoots the ground he could have shot batman dead think about that he's wanted batman dead for years and he could have killed him right here and it would have been completely justified okay maybe not completely justified but the police would have made it look justified but he decides to give him a warning shot and says i said now you know and then of course, that's when Robin swoops in to save the day, uh, because if, if Batman would have made the wrong move, then he definitely would have been laying dead on the pavement next to Barbara. But I love that Bullock moment because it shows you that he honestly, truly respects Jim Gordon, and he has Batman's back no matter what. Even if it means pointing a gun and firing it at Batman, who openly opposes firearms, he is going to do it because Jim Gordon is a man he respects to the end. That is great. Great characterization. Absolutely. But there, and I do have a question here. Do you think Batman would have run from Gordon and, G- and the GCPD there at, on the onset? No, I don't think so. I think had Robin not saved the day, um, 
I, I really do feel Batman would have just said, you know what, it's over. And taken off his belt, taken off the mask, and put his hands behind his back to be cuffed. But I think once Robin did what he did, Batman panicked. As weird as it sounds, I think Batman panicked and he ran away like a criminal. That's yep. what happened there. Um, so there you go. That, that you, you, That's a good question you brought up. Because yeah, I completely agree. I never, I don't think Batman, I th- I do think you just, like, it was, I fought the good fight as long as I could, but it's resulted in the death of a partner mm-hmm. and a friend. Mm-hmm. So that's, I can't do it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do have a question about this episode, though, and it's this. It's two-pronged. First off, the episode starts, because this isn't a linear episode. It's weird, because it's a dream sequence with flashbacks, so that's weird to begin with. (laughs) Yeah. But, okay, so the episode starts off with, and it's got, like, the most shocking opening to an episode ever, because it's got Batman and Robin running through the cave, being shot at by the Gotham City Police Department, with Bullock on the bullhorn saying, Bruce Wayne, halt. What? Well, but anyways, so they're running through the cave in their costumes. However, however, later on, we see that they actually entered the cave as Bruce and Dick. Uh, yeah. Tim, excuse me, Tim. So you're telling me that while they were being, while the home was being invaded, they said, hey, let's put our costumes on. This will be fun. What? I'd like to know when they had time to put their fucking costumes on and why they would put them on. Okay, that that's. Not the second question I intended to ask, but the second question I intended to ask in regards to this moment is how did the police find the entrance to the cave? That mansion is so big, they would have had so many rooms to search before they even thought about looking behind the clock to find the entrance to the cave. Unless the information was in Barbara's computer. Very good point that I didn't think of. You're right. They ran in, stormed the house, and a bunch of the cops went to the... yeah. Went to the clock. Okay, never mind. <laughs> you answered that part of it. But what about the other part? Them being able to Yeah, change. the costumes. This this isn't the 60s TV series where they went down the pole and ha, 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 they were changed. This isn't yeah. that. You know, this is, as weird as it sounds, a little more realistic than that. I, I just don't buy them changing into the costumes. I think the opening would have been just as effective if Bruce and Tim were running through the cave in their street clothes being fired upon by the GCPD. And how cool would it have been if they jumped into the chasm uh, and Bruce and Bruce used the grapple gun? Exactly. Exactly. You know, and you could you could justify him having the gun, the grapple gun, because he could have grabbed it off. You know, yeah. it might have been sitting next to the computer. He grabbed it out of his belt. We could even see him with the belt in his hand like he, he grabbed it off a shelf, you know, or something. Yeah. And he's running along. And we see him pull it out real, like, as they're falling, he pulls it out, throws the belt away, and saves himself and Tim. Um, You know, I don't think the episode was hurt by this little nitpick I have here about how did they change, why did they change. But it is something that you have to mention, because they didn't enter the cave that way, and there's no way they would have taken the time to change. Nope. Especially if if the GCPD did in fact know that the entrance was behind the clock. And, and, and based on based on what you said, it makes perfect sense because Gordon says five minutes on Barbara's computer told me everything I needed to know. Yep. Oh, what else about this one? Um, that was the most. I was thinking when I, when Bane got electrocuted there uh, in the 
in the bat signal. I I thought back to Parasite being electrocuted <laughs> yeah. so brutally in that in that uh, live wire episode. Yeah. I was like, wow, that is the most brutal electrocution since Parasite. <laughs> it's true. Mm. Um, but beyond that, I don't have a lot of notes left, really. Okay, well, um, oh, sorry, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was going to ask you a question. Yeah. Because I think this episode, this episode almost needs two scores. It needs a score if you're seeing it the first time, and it needs a score if you're seeing it for the hundredth time, like we are. Now, do you, do you, first off, do you agree with that statement? And second, do you think this episode holds up on future viewings? You know what the ending is. You see the twist coming. What are your thoughts about that? I would say, uh, with your second point first, I would say that uh, it does hold up. Maybe not quite as strong as it would have if you know we were younger and we we were still are you know still watching it. Because I think when I watched this again back when I was a lot younger, it still had the effect. For me, and I was like, there were many points when I was younger, and I watched this. I didn't want to watch this episode because it was very, it was really creepy, yeah, and very, very scary seeing Batgirl plunge to her death. Um, but you know, being uh, like a super comic book geek now, uh, there it may not hold up quite as as well as it did back then, but it's still an epic episode, and a really just a legendary episode. Now, um, for your first point, I didn't. That's not something I really thought about, but I can definitely see where you're coming from with it. Uh, right now, I have a grade written down, and it's probably pretty obvious what it's going to be. Um, but I don't see that. I don't really see the need to grade it twice. But yeah, that's just me. Yeah, I'm torn with this one. You know, I've I've got a score written down for this one. It's a very good score for this one. Um, I don't know. I, I I just I just think if you're seeing this one for the first time, it's gonna it's gonna rank higher than if you're wa- okay. Let me put it this way: if you're watching The Sixth Sense and you know the ending, now granted you can pick up the clues along the way, but you still know the ending. It's not gonna have that oomph, that punch in the chest, that twist, because you're gonna see it coming. Right. Um, we're the first but time really, you don't you have see to, it coming. You, so I'm sorry. What? Well, you, you really, I think you have to put that aside if it's at all possible. You have to grade this based on, on its, <clears throat> excuse me, on its merits in and of itself. Who are you, Darcy? What are you? Do you remember a doll they used to make, the Darcy doll? I thought you would. When you were a child, it was every little girl's favorite. I'll bet you had the entire collection. You're right. No wonder I chose you for my star model. But where did you come from? Winslow Schott's toy factory. The toy man? He wanted a companion. Someone with whom he could share his life. Hasn't he ever heard of the personals? You don't understand. He kept me prisoner in that arcade like I was something you wind up or plug in. There's so much to see in the world, so much to do, and all Winslow wanted was to play with toys. I have to stop him once and for all, Lana. I wasn't supposed to feel this way. I wasn't supposed to feel anything, but I do. I guess he made me too perfect. And our next episode today is the Superman episode, Obsession. Uh, in this episode, it's this features the return of Toy Man. Um, 
So what what happens in the beginning is someone sends some robots to kidnap a supermodel named Darcy uh, at a Lana Lang fashion show. Robot alert again. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know Superman's able to stop them pretty easily. But and uh, but what happens is Darcy barely says anything to the police, and Clark feels like she knows more th- about this attack than she's letting on. So Clark investigates her apartment, and while there, he and Darcy are attacked by a giant robotic kangaroo. Yeah, you heard that right. Yeah. Um, during this, Darcy falls into a wall, and her face cracks open. So after Superman subdues the robot, uh, we you know we see that Darcy has fled the building. And we we see that she's made her way to Lana's skyscraper, where uh, Lana catches her repairing her face with, of all things, a blowtorch. So Darcy explains to Lana that she was created by Toyman to be the perfect companion, cough, sex slave, cough. Mm-hmm. Um, but she was, you know, of course, a prisoner. And through some unknown means, she gained uh, a free will and mind, some, something like Annie in Growing Pains, um, and escape Toyman's clutches, but you know Toyman wants her back. So Superman has to save Lana, who has been put in danger due to this robot, and stop Toyman from holding a robot hostage. Yeah, that's really about it. Oh, yeah, I agree. <laughs> Do you want to go? Do you I want just, me to say something or? <laughs> no, I just realized that my head is in my palm. <laughs> Face palm, face palm. I didn't even mean to. I just put my head down inside, and I feel like Patrick Stewart. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, this episode. I mean, I'm sitting here watching the end. You know, I get, you know, maybe there's maybe like five minutes left, and I'm like, wait, Superman's trying to save a robot from Toy Man? Or is he trying to save a Toy Man? Or, uh, the, you know what I mean? Which, is he trying to save the robot? Okay, well, wait, hang on. Let me start over. Is he trying to stop the robot from killing Toy Man? Or is he trying to stop Toy Man from raping the robot? I-, I didn't know what was going on anymore. Like, who is he saving and why? One's a villain and one's a robot. Who cares? You know? Yeah. That's exactly that's ex- my biggest point of this episode. I'm struggling to feel sorry for this robot. It's a robot. Yeah, I mean, the, I mean, if you could, yeah, if you could tell me that the robot truly became sentient and was like Data from Star Trek, was some tr- living being, then I could start to feel sorry for her because Toyman did rape her. It said pretty much point blank, he was using her as a sex slave. Okay. But if she's just kind of your typical robot who kind of sort of gained a little bit of free will, you could just say her programming went a little wonky. But she's still a robot, not a living being. So what is Superman doing? I don't get it. I I don't know. Because if you think about it, who did Toy Man hurt? No one. No one. Okay, granted, he caused a little trouble at that uh, fashion show. Yeah. But no one got hurt. He was stalking a fucking robot. There was no human that was ever in danger here. It was the robot. Oh, and, and and therein the only the really the only person who's in danger is Lana because of the robot. Yeah, exactly. The robot tries to kill her. Yeah, yeah. So, <sighs> super, why is Superman trying to save this thing who tried to kill Lana? And uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, I'm gonna go back, uh, back to the beginning here. No, let's not. <laughs> I'm sorry, continue. <laughs> uh, yeah, facepalm. Um, I am doing it again, matter of fact. <laughs> good sorry. for you. It's, it's well 
it's well allowed, or it's you know it's easy to understand there. Why would a robot with a gun smack someone away? <laughs> I know. I don't know. This robot has a gun pointed at this guy. Doesn't shoot him. Just kind of backhands him away. And uh, in the same scene, you're telling me that an ordinary garden variety rope was strangling Superman. I know. I know. <laughs> it was a rope. It was just a lasso. I know. And Superman was like, oh, man. <laughs> oh, face palm. Yeah. And I didn't even mean to do it. Yeah. <laughs> the only part of that, the only part of, the, of that that came to anything funny was when the sheriff robot went back to yeah. Toy Man and nodded his decapitated head. That was good. If I give this episode anything, it's that moment right there. That was great. He didn't. He didn't speak. Just. Moves his hand a little to make the head nod. Nice, very nice. Um, I got I got to tell you, the very first note I wrote down for this one is: Have I seen this one before? I don't remember this one. I don't either. And I got to tell you, when I would buy these DVD sets, I would watch them straight through. So I had to have seen it before. There's no way I skipped it, but I don't remember this one in the slightest. Not in I the slightest. I think what you did is you watched five minutes of it and just hit the net, the forward button on your DVD remote. I might have, if you want the truth. <laughs> I might have been like, okay, she's a robot, click. I mean, because, okay, assuming this was the very first time I ever saw this one, I had it figured out right away. The second I saw the cowboy, the astronaut, and the knight, I'm like, okay, they're robots, she's the Barbie robot, this is a Toy Man episode, I don't care anymore. You know, now granted, maybe that was sitting in the back of my head somewhere, turning over on itself, and I remembered it, but I, I'd like to think I actually figured it out. <laughs> Don't give yourself too much credit there, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this episode um, is just, oh, it's brutal. But you know what's even worse is the the events of this episode are concluded in static shock. What? Yes. Do you remember? I don't know if you, you don't remember much about uh, Static no. Shock, but there's an episode called Toys in the Hood. Uh, I, I remember that title. Uh huh. Darcy and Toy Man come back. No way. I am You're not. You're making this up. Do a search, dude. I'm not even. I'm, I am 100% telling you the truth. Oh my god. <laughs> I am not even remotely joking. Now, we're supposed to assume that Toy Man's body was in her suitcase, correct? That's what I was going to ask you. That was my my big question here. What the hell was in that chest? I'm thinking, it had to be Toy Man. It's either spare parts, because she's going to break down and she doesn't have anybody to fix her. And we see that she can fix herself, because that's what she, she was doing that with the torch, which caused the fire in Lana's place. So it's either that, or it's Toy Man's body. <laughs> I swear, yeah. if I didn't know that Toy Man pops up in Justice League, I would assume that he's dead and he's sitting in the suitcase and she's just going to yeah. dump it somewhere along the way. <laughs> oh my God. And that's, I, I don't know how he comes back, but that's probably answered in that static shock episode is I saw it once and I don't remember anything about what happens in it other than that. It's like a two parter and that's the second part. I, I'm telling you, I, I'm tempted to, to watch that episode after this. <laughs> oh, 
Oh no, don't do it. I was, you know, after we were done recording, I was going to go watch an episode of Deep Space Nine, and I think I'm going to go watch Toys in the Hood so I can see how this turns out. It, it's morbid curiosity. You know, it's like going to see Saw 5. You know, you, 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 you can't help it. You're going to do it. You know you're going to do it, and you know you're going to regret doing it, but what are you going to do? You can't stop yourself. That, that's pretty much exactly what I do every time I do a movie review. Mm-hmm. That's, that's exactly the mentality I go in with. Um, and that's this this robot. I love this. It's this thing has a conscious mind, so to, uh, so to speak, and it wants to kill Toy Man for keeping her prisoner so long. Fine, I can. I guess I can sort of kind of buy that. Mm-hmm. But why the hell would it go after Lana? Yeah, I mean, she just called the police. Oh no, let's kill her. Yeah, the, the robot. What's the police she, gonna do? Yeah, if she wouldn't have messed with Lana. The robot could have been out of the building, not really drawn too much attention to herself. She wouldn't have got Superman on her tail, and she could have killed Toy Man and had it. It would have been all. It would have all been done. But because she went after Lana, Superman got on her butt. You know, it was. It was really just filler. That's all it was. Yeah. If you think mm-hmm. about it. Um, Plot device to get Superman involved. Right now, earlier I said if there was one thing I gave this episode, it was. Whatever I said it was. I can't the remember at this nodding. Oh, the sheriff nodding, nodding. right, yeah. I gotta give it one other thing. The way Superman put out the fire. By Superman clapping. smash! That was good. I liked that a lot. Because I was like, wait, is he gonna do his twirly thing? Is he gonna blow it out? Is he gonna use freezy breath? What's he gonna do? And then I'm like, oh, he's gonna Okay, I see what he's gonna do. That was nice. I, I... Especially because he was like, cover your ears, Lana. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the second he said that, I'm like, oh, I get it. Okay, cool. So. Uh, actually, there's one more I have to, I have to, the, the uh, Nutcracker, uh, like, mm-hmm. guard things, and then they're like, halt, friend or foe, and Superman just destroys them, and he's like, foe. Now, was it just me, or did he sound like Batman when he said foe? He did. Very much so. It, when it was, the second he did that, I, like, looked up, and I'm like, was that Kevin Conroy? And I would have I would have uh, rewound the DVD to see if he was putting on a Batman voice or what he was doing there. But frankly, one I didn't care. Two I was taking a note. Three I was eating dinner while I was watching this. So the last thing on my to do list was to was to suffer through this any any part of this episode again, even if it was an ep- a part of the episode that was mildly interesting. How did you not regurgitate your food while watching this episode? Slow small bites. <laughs> Real. Okay, that's it. You know. <laughs> well, okay. I, there was one line here that was really very cool and very morbid. I know there is a place for me in your heart. I just have to find it. <laughs> Whoa! Yeah. That. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Very, very morbid line, but a very cool line. Oh, oh, oh! How about Superman? having a life gauge in the video game. How does the computer know what Superman's life gauge is? I know this isn't street fighter. I can see what was the, what was the robot called? Uh, Death fist ninja or something. Fuck. I have no idea what the damn thing was called. I can see that thing having a life gauge, but Superman's got a life gauge and they keep showing it like, Oh no, Superman's life gauge is going down. He's only, he's hanging on by, by the skin of his teeth. The robot's going to beat him up. Like, really? Oh my God. (laughs) It was brutal. I keep saying it. Brutal. (laughs) 
And you know what's really bad is the next episode is even worse on our queue here today, at least in my opinion. Oh, I thought you but meant. We'll get... I'm sorry. I thought you meant the next Superman episode. I'm like, wait, what's no, next? No, no, on WFP, oh, our next okay. episode that we're covering today. Well, we'll get to that oh. in a second. Oh. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just. It's like I'm, I'm, I'm talking about this horrible, horrible episode, and I'm just thinking, oh god, it's going to continue into the next one. <laughs> oh, I'm looking at my notes, seeing if there's anything else. While we were talking, I thought I came up with something, but I can't remember what it was. Um, you know, I will say this about the episode. And I said this about an episode earlier. I think the concept behind this one is interesting. You've got one of Toy Man's toys that has malfunctioned or whatever, has gotten away from him, and now it wants revenge on him for whatever reason. That's kind of an interesting story when you pitch it like that. Superman gets involved. Lana's hanging around. This this robot, it's it's a Barbie analog. That That's neat. But... When they tried to do it, not so much. Who is she? She looks familiar. She should. Paige Monroe. Her face was just about everywhere for a few years. She used to be a spokesmodel for a number of major companies, including... Let me guess. Gotham Motors and Donna Day. Right. Until both companies announced they were dropping her in favor of a new youth-oriented campaign. On April 3rd and August 7th, I do remember. Pretty girl. Don't you mean woman? She was your age when she made that commercial, Bat Boy. Next up is the Gotham Knights episode called Mean Seasons. Yeah. In this one, there is a former model slash actress running around trying to get revenge on uh, her former employers. Uh, because they fired her because she got too old, basically. When she turned 30, um, around about the time she turned 30, the, the company she worked for decided they wanted younger models. Not necessarily more attractive models, but younger models. Um, and, uh, because the entire industry had shifted that way, she could no longer get jobs. So now she's taking revenge on them in some sort of, anti-ageist statement, I guess. And uh, Batman and Batgirl got to stop her from killing these people, I guess. I don't know. Put the children to bed early because I'm about to unleash a profanity-laced tirade that hasn't been seen since the terrible trio. Go, go, go! Oh, my God. <laughs> this episode is so goddamn bad. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay, let's see. Where do I start? Where do I start? Where do I start? Um, the voice acting in this episode is so bad, I wanted to just gouge my ears with the nearest pointy object. <laughs> um, especially that woman, the fashion designer, announcer woman. Uh-huh. Oh, my God. Everything she said was just split up into weird segments to where nothing she said sounded like a real sentence. Uh-huh. Um... <laughs> The chip, this, this woman has, uh, here's another thing that uh, Mike, or here's something Mike forgot to mention here about this uh, this episode. The woman in question, Calendar Girl, as I'll call her, um, she, her her crew, her posse are a bunch yeah. of Chippendales dancers. Yeah. And this one guy, this one Chippendale guy, had the time to shoot the gun out of one guard's hand and then line up his shot and shoot the gun out of the other guard's hand. <laughs> Were those guards basting in carbonite or something 
my God. They, there was like a good 10 seconds there. They're, they're just standing there and just like, uh, bam, uh, bam. <laughs> and then, <laughs> after this happens, this is great. After this happens in the next scene where Bruce is sitting in the office talking to Lucius Fox, there's a newspaper sitting on the desk say, that says Calendar Girl. Calendar is spelled correctly in the first angle. The next camera angle, it's misspelled. <laughs> I am not joking. Go back and watch. Calendar is misspelled in the second camera pan. Oh, that's great. But let me interrupt you real quick. What I did Please notice go. about that scene is that Bruce was looking at the back page of the newspaper. It wasn't the front page. Look at where the mm-hmm. spine of the paper is and where the paper would open up. So he's either reading a Japanese newspaper or they're reporting major events on the last page of a newspaper. <laughs> I didn't notice that. Well, when, I okay. noticed the misspelling of the word, but I didn't notice that. Well, think about where it was animated. You know what I mean? They they might have That's just true, been that's... like, oh, we're drawing in a newspaper and it's going to lay out this way. And, well, to them it's right, but to us it's not. So I'm sorry. Please continue with your soapboxing. <sighs> like seriously my blood pressure is rising talking about this episode um here okay more more about the chippendales guys uh in the next scene where the where calendar girl like crashes the car show the the black uh chippendale guy threw a bomb so perfectly timed that it blew the cable off of the grapple gun <laughs> while batman was in midair fuck off best part best part about that is that it's like a looney tunes type bomb yes it, it's not like a grenade or like a time bomb or something it's it's one of those ball bombs that it's like tom would like trying to get jerry <laughs> yeah where do where can you even buy one of those yeah. or even steal one do they even make those i don't know oh god um and the uh, then the one one of the guys, one of the Chippendales guys is dead. He got folded in half un- underneath a car uh-huh. hood. Uh-huh. Uh, but I don't really care if he died or not. No. Um, but, you know, the, the the big problem I have with, with, this, uh, with this bitch and her cadre of half-naked muscle men is that they kicked Batman's ass. Yeah. Fuck off. <laughs> okay. Let me, let me tell you my biggest problem with this episode right here. There's two. I'm the giant say, dinosaur? The, the dinosaur aside, I'm going to tell you one of my big gripes right now. That is Batman got beaten by a chair. Think about that. Batman was trying yeah. to run away from the calendar girl, and he slipped on a broken chair. Batman slipped on yes. a chair. <laughs> it just came out of nowhere. and it's, it's almost like he fell on the chair on purpose. You know what I'm saying? That's how give her a chance. it was. Yeah, it's like, okay, we have to fill 30 more seconds. Okay, okay. Oh, there's the chair. Let me slip on it. I swear, it's like he looked at the chair and was like, whoops, that was an accident. Ay. Oh, my God. Um, you know, uh, when when they show, they show the scene where she had kidnapped the first two people. Uh, and they're in her little hideout, and she's just like sulking in her uh, dressing room. And the guy walks in on her with her mask off, and she started throwing the hissy fit. That's when I remembered what happened at the end of this episode, and then it just made me hate this episode even more because I, I had forgotten. I was watching this episode to make notes for about it, and I've, I had forgotten what was so what was wrong with this woman. What why was she wearing the mask? But then 
when that happened, I was like, oh, no. Now I remember. <laughs> that was my exact my exact reaction. Um, let's see what happened next on my list here of, oh, my God, I hate this episode. <laughs> Shit. Uh, those new TV shows that they were kind of, like, hawking out there on the, G- the GWB, they had to be spoofs because the acting on them was almost as bad as the acting in this episode. <laughs> like, team cop, yo, kids, uh, reading is cool. Whatever the hell that kid said. I don't even know what what the hell did that kid That's say. That's what he said. He... They showed a couple of a couple of shots of him on a skateboard, and he's like giving a cop a high five, and then he's like, "Reading's cool." <laughs> oh, and the and the one before that, what was it? Fashion, the model, yeah. the fashion models, and it was like, "So you didn't make the the top model? It's what's inside that counts." <laughs> I love you. Oh. Oh, the worst part uh, is shoot me now. the worst part is I guarantee you, I guarantee you those have been pitches. Oh, yeah. Either they were pitches that Deanie and his company know about and they were taking the piss out of the people that pitched them, or they've been pitched since then. I'm not saying that they saw this episode and said, hey, that's a great idea, I'm going to pitch it. I'm saying they came up with it independently and said, teen cop, and and whatever the other one was called, about the fashion models in modeling school. Those have been pitched. I guarantee it. And I'm going to guarantee you something else. We're going to see one of those on TV eventually. <laughs> okay. You know we will. Oh God. But uh, and here's here's my uh, big question about uh, that's the uh, that scene where the where the guys like pitching the TV shows. How the fuck did Calendar Girl get that big fucking fan in there? <laughs> Thank you. Where do you get a fan that big? And how did she sneak it in there with nobody knowing? <laughs> she threw a blanket over it, you know. <laughs> Oh yeah! Like, don't yeah. mind us. Don't mind us half-naked guys pushing in this giant thing for no apparent reason. Okay, With this well. woman in a jumpsuit and <laughs> a mask. And why did she? Okay, I mean, I understand what she was doing symbolically, but what was the point of dropping the leaves in front of the fan? Because if you think about it, when she invaded the car show, she set off some fireworks, which distracted people. You know. Um, what did she do at the fashion show? She threw like Easter eggs, right? Yes. Which were bombs. But those leaves did nothing. It's not like they were like uh, sharp pieces of metal cut out and painted to look. You know what? I know what it was. I know what it was. It was, I think it was a representation of fall. No, no, no. That's what I'm saying. I get what it was meant to represent. Again, the Easter eggs for the first thing, because it was about spring, the the fireworks. Oh, you're talking about what? Oh, okay. Right. You're talking about what kind of physical uh, advantage they would give her? Right. That's what I'm saying. The okay. fan was yeah, doing all the work. The fan was doing all the work. So it would have been cooler if those leaves, like I said, were like pieces, you know, like the Joker's playing cards. They're metal. Yeah. They're, and they're sharpened. If the leaves were something like that. So not only were they symbolic, they were also deadly. But no, we're just going to dump a very small bag of leaves in front of this big fan. <laughs> Let's confuse them to death. Yeah, yeah. it'd been funny if they all just stood around and was like, sort of like the condiment king, like, fuck you. And they just started going on with the rest of their lives, you know? Yes. <laughs> like, I think condiment thing? king is a better villain than this woman is. That's a pretty good point. <laughs> <laughs> I love I love her line about, there's no living in the past, and yet this woman's entire character is a person who cannot forget the past. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Oh my god. Okay, well, I guess it's about time to uh, 
start my rant about the T-Rex. Yeah, go for it. <sighs> okay, so Superman got to fight a giant mechanical T-Rex, so I guess it was Batman's turn. Mm-hmm. Um, where the fuck did this woman get a giant mechanical dinosaur? Who built it? Mm-hmm. And why a dinosaur? What, what the fuck was that about? It had nothing to do with the the season or the holiday or something with it, that she was supposedly getting out there like uh, Day of the Dead or Halloween or what or St. Patrick's Day or whatever the fuck holiday she was going on about there. Yeah. What the hell? This this episode is so random and not in a good way. No. No. Yeah. Here's the thing. Think about this. The first time we see her, she tacks a calendar to the. Uh, uh, I just the curtain and it's, it's, right. it's an April calendar. Right. But she mm-hmm. says, beware the Ides of March. Like, okay, well, wait, so she's talking about March, but she uses an April calendar. Then later on during the whole fall thing, she's doing the fan and the leaves and she's talking about the fall and she tells Batman earlier, I'll see you in the fall. But what calendar did she tack up that time? August. August is still the summer, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. What, well, when does August... Wait, when does... When does no, September 21st. September 21st okay, is right. That's what so. I thought. That's what I thought, but I, I was questioning myself just for a second there. It's like, what were they doing? They're mentioning March, but then they're showing April, and they're mentioning fall, but they're showing August? <sighs> hey, they... Well, they misspelled calendar on a newspaper, so... Yeah, there you <laughs> go. I'm sorry. Uh, did you did you finish your rant with the dinosaur? I didn't mean to interrupt if if you didn't. Oh no, 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 no. I wasn't done yet. Okay, I'm sorry. Um, here's here's my my next uh, rant about that. You're telling me that Barbara fucking Gordon was able to pull that gigantic thing away from Batman uh-huh. with a with a with you know the bat grapple bullshit on a stick. Uh-huh. <laughs> I tell I have nothing more to add there. Uh-huh. That that. I, I have no ending for this, so I take a small bow. My, <laughs> that's my that's my, ref, my uh, homage to George Carlin there. <laughs> Very good. Um, and what was with the unnecessary B plot with the with the old guy being forced to retire from Wayne Enterprises? We in the we in the uh, business call that filler. Yeah, like, that was so not needed. I understand what they were going for. They were, they were showing that Bruce's villain or Batman's villain was affecting Bruce and making him question his policies about age and blah 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 blah. But yeah, you just said it perfectly. Filler, completely unnecessary. I mean, they could have filled that time with more shots of the dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, now, if you don't mind, I'm going to tell you what my second biggest gripe with this episode was. Earlier I said there were two. Here's what the second one is. This is just Baby Doll all over again. Mm-hmm. Think about it. It's we got a we got a television or a, not, yeah, a celebrity, you know, who can't tolerate the fact that the world has changed around her, that she can't get gigs anymore, and at the end she looks into a mirror and can't stand the sight of herself. It's Baby Doll. Just with a different gimmick. It's a pretty woman in a mask. That's it. Instead yeah, the of, only difference was Baby Doll was actually a good episode. Right, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you know, they, they went back to that well. I seriously think they went. They were like, shit, we need another script. Uh, let's do Baby Doll again. Because I... I, I ugh. Ugh. That's all I can say. Um, yeah. 
I'm I'm like really really losing my voice now <laughs> from like from this from all the rants of this episode. Yeah. Uh, oh god. There there is one thing one thing I will give this episode. Batman taking out the one Chippendale guy that drove the motorcycle. Batman's in the car and he kicks open the door, mm-hmm. and the the guy hits the door and he goes flying. I think that's the guy that ended up squished in the in the hood of the car, yeah. wasn't it? I yeah. like that that. The, just the impact causing him to go flying and Batman using his surroundings, that's Batman. It's, he's not always about punching and kicking. He's about using what's around him to his advantage. So credit where credit is due. Everything else about the, this episode should be flushed on the toilet. But that, that I'll give it. Uh, yes, because this episode is complete ass. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What else do you want to say about this one? Uh, I want to just... Um say that uh, I'm going to be borrowing a page from Desmond Reddick when I grade, grade this episode in a, in momentarily. <laughs> I know where this is going. <laughs> oh, let me give uh, my notes one last look and see if there was anything else I wanted to say. No, the only one that's really coming to mind is Pointless. That was like the third or fourth note I wrote, so it means it was maybe halfway through the episode. And I just wrote pointless. There's nothing to this episode. It doesn't lead anywhere. It doesn't add anything to the universe, the mythos. It's not good. It's a retread of old material. It's just utter crap. That said, should we move on to our scores? Yes, let's definitely do that oh. before I completely lose my voice. Okay, so the ultimate thrill. I will give that a seven. I will give it a seven as well. New Kids in Town. This is another personal fave for me. I'm going to give it a 7 also. I'm going to give that one a 6. Next up is Over the Edge. 10 out of 10. I, and this might surprise some people here, I'm going to give this one an 8, but I might rescore it later. Um, That's really surprising to me, actually. I know, because you know I do like this episode, but I have a big problem uh, uh, when it comes to, it was all a dream all along kind of endings. No matter how strong it was, I do feel the product was hurt by that. And there are a couple other little things that I thought brought it down. But like I said, when we rescore, you know, in a, in a couple of episodes, really, this one will probably be on that list. Uh, obsession. The only reason this episode is getting the grade I'm about to give it is because the episode after it is worse. <laughs> I'm giving this a two. <laughs> uh, obsession, for some weird reason, is getting a three from me. And mean seasons. Zero. <laughs> oh, oh. I'm, I, I'm sorry, but I cannot think of a redeeming quality in this episode at all. It's getting a zero. How's that Desmondish? Um, I was gonna grade it a fuck this episode. That's where I thought you were going. That's where I thought you were going, and then you didn't bust it out. <laughs> well, you would have shot it down anyway, so I was like, well. You know. <laughs> But then, but you were my, actually, you know, truthfully, I forgot momentarily there. And then you, you reminded me, I was like, oh shit, well, I got to say it now. <laughs> so wait, can we give zeros? I know we've had this argument before or not argument, I, but discussion before we gave terrible trio a zero. Did we? Yep. For some reason, I thought we gave it like ones. Nope. Okay. Uh, we definitely gave terrible trio a zero. I will forever remember that. Okay. <laughs> I don't think this one is bad as the Terrible Trio, so I'm not going to give it a zero. I'm going to give this one a two, 
I I don't know why I'm being that generous. I'm just I'm wondering if it's because <laughs> that makes both of us. <laughs> I'm, I'm really thinking it's because I had a lot of fun just listening to you <laughs> rant about it. Your your rant is actually boosting up the score of this episode for me because you made me laugh at this episode. Damn it! I I didn't do my job. <laughs> it's like backfired on me. Next time, before you're going to rant about an episode, shoot me in the knee beforehand, and then I'll be like, motherfucker! <laughs> now I have to get this one negative fifty-two. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is another one down the line when we look back at Superman that I may rescore, but right now it's getting a two. Mm-hmm. Keep cooking like that, you'll have me looking like Harvey Bullock. Dinner wasn't the only reason I wanted to see you tonight. Oh. Dad, have a seat. Uh-oh. This is important. It won't be easy for you to hear, but it's about a job I took on recently. Barbara, please. Sweetheart, you're capable of making your own decisions. You don't need me to approve or even acknowledge them. And in this case, I can't. All you need to know is I love you. All of you. And that is all I have to say on the subject. Daddy. Feedback in the form of emails and MP3s can be sent to feedback at worldsfinestpodcast.com. That's feedback at worldsfinestpodcast.com. Next time on World's Finest Podcast, we'll discuss three episodes of Superman the Animated Series, those being Little Big Head Man, Absolute Power, and In Brightest Day, and two episodes from Gotham Knights, Critters, and Cult of the Cat. For James Doe, I'm Michael David Sims saying thank you for listening to World's Finest Podcast. (laughs) 